Some cults are good, most cults are bad, but I'll tell you what really makes me sad. I can't decide which cult to join. If only there were a podcast out there to rank all the cults using some sort of bracket system like they do for basketball playoffs for college teams. It's madness, madness. Protecting all the things you own, like cars and trucks and mobile homes. Accidents or tickets to call and we'll take care of you. 524-1541. That number will get you to uh, Paul Mead Insurance. Tall Paul. Tall Paul Mead Insurance. Tall Paul. Tall Paul. He's my all. Ding, 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 ding. Yes, Paul Mead Insurance, which is still in business on Classic. Hey, all right. <laughs> with its phone number emblazoned up there. 5241541. And the Tall Paul cartoon. Yeah, from the commercials. Yeah, it was it was kind of a cartoon, but it also maybe looked like claymation a little mm-hmm. bit of a cowboy with like a teeny <laughs> tiny cowboy body, um, an extremely an retro guy, <laughs> long skinny head, <laughs> long t- and, and head, long and skinny ass. head and hat, and that was Paul Mead, That's Paul right. Mead Insurance, and there's a song. So there you was, go. So like, was real the real Paul Mead? Like you know, would have been five nine, but his head was like three feet tall, like. <laughs> They don't talk about the real Paul Mead. That's right. I guess, He's yeah. preserved in yeah. a jar. Mm-hmm. It's a very long, <laughs> tall and jar. And a house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, this makes me think of other <laughs> advertising from Oklahoma in the 80s. Linda Soundtrack! Oh, Linda Soundtrack. That was... Soundtrack, soundtrack and on the right track. It was equipment. It wasn't record and tape. Oh, it was like it was a radio like, shag. It was, yeah, you could go and buy stereos and stuff. That's right. Stereos. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah, okay. I remember that at one point. Uh, but yeah, they, they had one in Tulsa, too, and it yes. was the same deal. And, like, I just assumed that Linda Soundtrack was the owner of Soundtrack Records, and that's why she named it that. <laughs> Linda Soundtrack was a woman who, like... She didn't look like Joyce DeWitt, but she had the same Joyce DeWitt, DeWitt, small, short-haired brunette energy. Uh-huh. Yeah, s- short-haired brunette energy. And she would sing the soundtrack song with a backup she, of, like, stoner dudes who were, like, dressed as snowmen. They, or, they, yeah, they were yeah. often different that, acts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it would always change and always be something else. But it was always her, and she had a kind of irritating voice, but that was the shtick. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah. She was Linda Soundtrack. I'm Linda Soundtrack! I remember meeting somebody one time who, like... <clears throat> She went to their church or something, and, and they were like, like "Your claim to fame, right?" They were like, "She's not really like that. She doesn't really talk like that." And I was like, "Really? really? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's see. What's an ad from Tulsa?" Uh, um, oh my god, why am I blanking? Well, there was actually you very well might not have had these in the Ooh. Oklahoma City area because of the storied lack of quick trips. That or is true. Quicks trip, if you will. Quicks trip, in the, right? Oh, but no, you were in Tulsa a ton back I then. Do you almost certainly trip. would have seen them. But, 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 but these but were Tulsa centric so, ads. Yes, so, so let's hear it. The ads, uh, like Lamar was the quick trip dog, and oh, it was just this like, big shag, shaggy dog. Yeah, mm-hmm. was, like every ad ended with I, the guy we were, I guess, uh, assuming was Lamar's person saying, ain't that right, Lamar? And he said, woof. Ain't that right, Lamar? And so, like, uh, Lamar fell out of use, Uh and it was a long time, uh, you know, decades maybe. And then (laughs) there was this big deal because they were bringing Lamar back. (laughs) 
Starring in Love Barbat. And there was like yeah. it was almost a, like a premiere of the commercial. Yeah. I think it was everyone's like probably Lamar's during Lamar's the evening news. But like, okay, so it's this like the silhouette of a truck in a field at night, and the sky is full of stars, and you can see a kid sitting in the back of it, and he's looking up, and he says, "Starlight, star bright." <laughs> I wish Lamar'd come back tonight. <laughs> and then you hear this woof, Lamar! <laughs> Which is like, original Lamar's been dead for decades. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Just like get a long haired, sort of damp looking dog. Yeah. Like yeah. a Benji dog, but yeah. big. big. Right. Bigger, yeah. And, oh. Yeah, maybe damper. Okay. And so, anyway, yeah, like I, I, I cannot hear or think the words starlight, star bright. I wish Without I, may, I wish I sleep. might. I wish, I wish Lamar, Lamar come, come back, back tonight. tonight. <laughs> Lamar! Okay, um, I remember one that we then ended up inflicting on the entire nation in the form of a Saturday morning children's show. God, what was the character's name? It started off for Brahms, and it was Jim Varney. Okay, it actually did not start off for Brahms. We talk about this all the time. Okay, yeah. very interesting. Um, yes, yeah, it's no, Jim Varney. Yeah, Jim Varney. He's from like North Carolina, I think, or something. Yeah, like that. but the ads were from Oklahoma. No, he no. Did them, he did them all over the country. Oh, okay, yeah. in the in the South. Okay. Yeah, but and, like particularly in the South, because like the character that totally. Character, that's yeah, character. that's but that, he would character do at home um, in the way that any kind like, of local King regional of dairies, regional yeah. dairies. So the Brahms, yeah. so oh, he I did see. Brahms, and he uh-huh. did yeah, he did regional just dairy lifestylers. Brahms is an Oklahoma it's institution, based in Texas, but it, Oklahoma claims it because we're better than Texas. Sorry, clearly. Uh, and they, they have a dairy, and they want the Brahms ice cream. It's Brahms ice cream and dairy store, and you can also get really good hamburgers and stuff, and you can yeah. get hamburgers and fries. And Chicken sandwiches. Do it in their own three hundred mile radius of the dairy because that's yes. how they can bring the stuff fresh, fresh milk, yeah. and and it's, it's also amazing. there's like a little grocery store mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. Yeah. where you can buy like eggs, eggs and, and bacon, eggs and, and bacon and stuff like fresh that. produce. There it is. Fresh <laughs> produce. There it is. And um, when y'all come on the bus tour, we'll get some ice. We'll cream. go to Brahms. We yeah, to Brahms. we had. A while back, we had some friends from Portland come and visit, and we uh-huh. were like, well, let's go to Brahms. And they yes. were like, what is this place? And I was like, <laughs> you can get a hamburger, you can get an ice cream shake, you can get some chicken breasts, <laughs> a boiled chicken sandwich, eat alone in your car. You, yes. can, you, can get, uh, you can swap out your drink in the combo meal for a shake or a malt. Ooh. That's right. Yeah, German chocolate shake. Their limeades are really good. Oh, they yeah, do yeah, have yeah, 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 real yeah, limeades. Yeah. And tonic water, not Sprite. Mm-hmm. Or like club soda. Even. Yeah. They don't make mm-hmm. them with Sprite. And I hate Bronze oh. is super good. And, and then Jim Varney did. I didn't realize that he did it all over the South. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, yeah. We, we, it's like niche advertising. I would like to become a spokesman for local right. dairies. Right. I think it went right. to... It was also maybe like local grocery stores, yeah. just like yeah, yeah. local regional chains and stuff. Okay, and so what was Toy his Story. catchphrase? Because I can't remember now. Hey, wait, was, you know what I mean, Vern? Yeah. Know what I mean, Vern? No, yeah, his whole stick was like, mean? he was talking to Vern, who was the camera. That's right. And there's, this, camera. there's this one where Vern is throwing darts. <laughs> and like, he throws a dart and Ernest's head Ernest, pops up like, it. hey, Ernest Vern. Saves Ernest down. P. Worrell. And he, yeah, Thank and he you. throws another dart like, Keeps talking, yeah. keeps going back to this is like rhythm. He's like throwing darts and he keeps dodging them. <laughs> yes, that's Ernest B. Worrell. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. And, and then, then he, we got like Ernest goes to camp and yeah, Ernest, Ernest saves, saves Christmas. Christmas. Ernest goes to jail. Ernest goes to jail. Ernest I needs don't a kidney. Think we'll hold up. No. That's all right now. But I did, but I also thought that he was. Yeah, like Oklahoma. from Oklahoma and worked for Brahms. Right. Yeah, yeah, he's a secret totally Brahm worked. brother. <laughs> he's actually really classy. <laughs> Ricard Brahm, <laughs> Werner von Brahms. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> All right. All right. Here we go. Viewer mail. I can't top that. So we're moving right on to viewer mail here. Listener mail. <laughs> this is listener mail, and it is entitled Zuta Law. Yay! Uh-huh. This is from Kate, our Wyoming pal. Yes. Says, hey, this is from a couple of weeks ago. Okay. It says, hey, gang, broiling up here in Wyoming, too. I worship each day at my swamp cooler with unholy rites and will not talk when it starts demanding me <laughs> and will not balk when it starts demanding me the blood of neighborhood small fry. They're, they're, by that time, they don't have blood and are dry roasted. Am I right? <laughs> they're, they're essentially jerky. It's <laughs> like... Speaking of the unspeakable, the Beast of Jevoudan was, I'm pretty sure, part of the inspiration for Clark Ashton Smith's Averon series, set in a werewolf-haunted necromancer hangout of a fictional medieval French province. Well, I, what, sound, I mean, like, I haven't done the research, but, but, but it would be know, a weird coincidence. Science point to we. <laughs> <laughs> says, if you haven't read those, start with The Colossus of Elorne and move on to Mother of Rhodes, and then you'll probably want to devour the rest with a nice French roast. Delicious. As for good costumes, nothing beats my second grade year, 1977, when my mom, ever ready to put her liberal arts degree to work and not at all interested in whether anybody in more livestock than people Wyoming would understand my costume, helped me make an Anne Boleyn outfit for Halloween. Nice. With my head tucked under my... Uh, under my arm, she strolls the bloody tower. So we had a wig stand with a lustrous chestnut wig and a pretty face and mm-hmm. a circle of gold braid. and put blood stains on it with nail polish. And then we sewed a lace collar with more blood stains on it onto a black velvet skirt and pulled it all the way up over my head. Oh, good. So her Hell face yeah. is uh, the head. Like down it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's kind perfect. Of peek out. That's yeah, incredible. That's really good. That's really good. Yeah. It was good to know who understood my costume and who did not later on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And she says, and P.S. Oh, thank Bob that you guys hate the Boomer Road Show too. I almost didn't listen to the second <laughs> half of the episode. <laughs> thank you for sticking in there, darling. Thank you, I dude. appreciate. It. And, thank and, you. And, uh-huh. okay. Thank you for oh. trusting us to give you trusting the true story. Us to give you the true story. She says, I went to you, Bard. Yeah. I, yeah, I went there too for one Chewy. summer. Uh, the six, dream of the sixties is still alive in Annandale, and I was sick of hearing about that bus before orientation was over. God. <laughs> and I'm going to take this opportunity to say that I'm very sorry, but I missed the only decent thing they did when I was reading my story. I accidentally forgot the paragraph where they were in Phoenix for the Barry Goldwater. Uh, the uh, presidential convention, presidential Republican convention. National Convention. Right, no. they were there. That was when Barry Goldwater made the uh, uh, violence in the service yeah. of liberty, liberty is, is no vice. vice. Yes, extremism in the yeah. service of liberty is no vice. They painted on the side of the bus a vote for Barry is a vote for fun, and then drove backwards <laughs> around the building <laughs> so that the flags looked like they were flying backwards. Oh, oh nice! Wow. And that's like okay, that's guys, good. that was okay. Good. Okay, good. Good. there's your there's your one point. There's your one mm. fucking it's point. Un point. Un point. That's all you get. So yeah, it's pretty good. It's uh, we're hanging out. Ready to do Got fun our things? Technical difficulties. Technical difficulties are worked out thanks to Brian, and uh, we're ready to put on a great show for I'm y'all. Ready to rock All right, Aaron, oh, you gonna rock us and roll us? I am. Oh hell yeah! Rock and roll and roll and rock. Excuse me, your burps are weak. I know you are always stop. the better burper. <laughs> I want to rock with you, baby. All night. All night. low. <laughs> I want to roll with you, lady. I want to rock with you. Singing that song. <laughs> Amanda. Yes. <laughs> Do you like deregulation? <laughs> um. <laughs> well. <laughs> uh, I'm going to need.
need another question. Do you not? Do you like his and hers Learjets? Oh yeah, I like. I prefer hers and hers Learjets. Clearly, that's okay. Clearly. I mean, you can yeah. do that now. Okay, cool. Do you like deep gas play? <laughs> no, I'm gonna say no to that. <laughs> Today, I am talking about the fall of the Penn Square Bank. Oh, yeah. fuck yeah. God damn. Oh, my God. We're take, we're keeping it home for this We're one. keeping it oh, home. Here shit. we go. This I is remember, a good There's a Marie one. Callender's on that site now. Correct. So, um, <laughs> we, will get, we will get to the site for sure. I'm excited. The, go. The collapse is... Excuse me, the collapse of the Penn Square Bank. Not the fall, the, the collapse. collapse of the Penn Square Bank. <laughs> it it didn't fall, upright. it could no longer hold itself up. Uh, right, it's not like it was tripped or pushed. No. <laughs> it happened in 1982, which is before we lived in Oklahoma City, but I feel like I remember it because I get it confused with a different bank collapse in 1987, yes. which was part of the Reagan-induced savings and loan scandal. Yes. That one in 87. What were you going to say? Oh, I'm just also saying that we moved to Oklahoma City in 1983. 85. 85? Yeah. I okay. promise it was 85. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was too busy crying and being sad. There you go. Um, since birth. Yeah. And uh, so... <laughs> sensitive teenagers, shut up! In 1987, that's when the Gold Dome building... Yes, ...was yes. our bank. Yes, it was. I remember that. And one day, Mom said we couldn't get any money because the bank had closed. And naturally, like a dork, I assumed this was like a 1929 sort of situation. <laughs> oh. Now and we're all going to wear I would barrels. be selling apples in no time, you know? Like, Within maybe hours. kind of excited about it. That's right, I'm going to wear no, a barrel. Oh, my God, do I get a Newsies cap? Do I get a Newsies cap? <laughs> sweet, sweet, sweet. And while this seems like an extreme notion for an 11-year-old, please understand that not a day in my young life went by without mom and David, our stepfather, screaming about the checkbook. Yeah, so I was highly anxious child attuned to the banking. Financial troubles. Finan- financial troubles, exactly. Real or imagined. It's like, mm-hmm, Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. he was right. Yeah. Out of a bitch was right. God damn it. Well. So. <laughs> no. It wasn't. The Penn Square Bank also loomed large in my mind because it was, as the name suggests, it was right by Penn Square Mall, which was like my mall Your in '87, right. across the street from Wilcox Records. Right, and then going by the former Penn Square Bank, which was still a bank, yes, um, almost felt like driving by the Sirloin Stockade on Southwest Eight Southwest Eighty Nine. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a place where crime ha- crimes crime. had happened, horrible crimes. One happened, was yeah. a gruesome multiple homicide, and the other one was a bank. But they both made the national news, That's and therefore right. they were national crimes. That's right. They both of them ruined people's lives. Both of them ruined people's lives. Now, since nobody here has signed up to listen to Banking Banking, I am going to do my best to explain this shit in the easiest way, (laughs) briefest way possible. And if any of you listeners come to me about interest rates, will I say, good day, sir. Here we go. (laughs) This is not Motley Fool, Motley Fool. (laughs) Absolutely not. If I wanted to listen to a finance podcast, I would. God, no. There are plenty of... Smug ass, like how I made it, or how I built this. Oh, my God, that fucking boils my blood. Like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, asterisk, with a two. $250,000 $250,000 loan from my parents. Right. Exactly. My had... dad owned a diamond emerald mine. God! I thought I made this. Well, I didn't. I bought it. <sighs> oh, I paid somebody to go get it for me. Anyway, go ahead. The Penn Square Bank opened in 1960, the same, years, the same year as the mall, which was an open-air yes. mall. And it opened as a community bank with about $30 million in assets, which is about $300 million now. Uh-huh. Uh, which is not that much, but for also enough. <laughs> but also yeah, for, a lot. Yeah, for, it offered home and car loans, very basic stuff. I mean, a home was like $15,000. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, very basic stuff that was easily covered by their existing assets. Right. 
located in the parking lot of the newly built Penn Square Mall, Penn Square Bank offered drive-through teller service, which was and is extremely hot shit. And it was part of that. We're building urban shopping in the in the in the uh-huh. suburbs, yes. which at the time that part of Oklahoma City was a little bit suburban. I know it's very funny because it's like fucking dead center, right? Exactly. <laughs> and um, the drive and teller service was good for women in their cars with children. With their children, exactly. Mm-hmm. Get every damn child. Well, although it was 1960, and it's not like they were in car seats; they were just kind of loose, no, yeah. right? But you didn't yeah, want to have to take them into the, the bank. Uh-huh. around, yeah. The bank operated like it was supposed to for about 15 years or so and but we're gonna step away from the bank for a bit and talk about what led up to its catastrophic failure Excellent. in 1973 the oil embargo hit the u.s up until then americans assumed that natural energy was uh, basically free and they were entitled to all of it yeah. all of the time fuck yeah because america made cars and cars needed gas and if you don't have a car you're like fucked up because what? your entire american city is designed around cars right and then the government was built around owning cars to the point that public transit is like illegal in many exactly cases. let's let, let's see you can watch who framed roger rabbit and mm-hmm. learn about how los angeles used to have a, a hot bustling public transit system and now they yep. just have constant gridlock streetcars <laughs> also Freeways are racist. Also, freeways are racist. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, <laughs> May I direct your attention yet again to downtown Tulsa? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, we need to build a road. Well, these people don't matter. <laughs> it's like, oh. uh, okay. If there were a way we could build a wall, this one has a hole you can drive through. Right. It, whatever. So, thanks to the U.S. backing Israel in the Arab-Israeli War of 1973, the members of OPEC, the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries... This is my earliest countries, um, memories, I want you to know. <laughs> ...hold an admittedly baller move and turned off the faucet. Yeah, they, they really fucking did. And Americans they completely were... completely on everybody. <laughs> outraged. It was outraged. really great. I, I remember... Johnny Carson. <laughs> oh, shit. And we never watched the Carson no, show. No, it was, was so some, late. It was late, but I was at somebody else's house and they were watching Our Carson. My parents never watched Carson. They were like, I'm asleep by 10. No, that's, or there's like, I'm high in the other yeah. room. It was the Pink Floyd. Um, they uh, were talking, he was talking about the oil embargo and the crisis and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, these are my earliest memories. Right. When I answered the question about, like, what's the first news story that you remember on TV, it mm-hmm. was the Camp David Accords. Yeah. With Sadat uh, and Bagan. That was. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, so, all this shit. Go ahead. Naturally, the Americans were fucking outraged, <laughs> insisting that this once great nation <laughs> had grown soft and flabby, burning around in their muscle cars, powered by heathen oil. America was dining on an exclusive media diet of images of hostages and America haters yes. in the Middle East. Yes. And so not only do these savages not want to buy, want us to buy their oil, mm-hmm. they hate us for like no, no reason. reason at all. Like what did America ever do <laughs> to the <laughs> Middle <laughs> East? I guess we'll never know. I guess we'll never know. For unfortunately, no records out. have been None yet. whatsoever. None. <laughs> well, the world may never know. All the documents deep. remain sealed. Right. <laughs> I dropped my phone in the North Sea. <laughs> I just went for <laughs> Never gonna find out. What the fuck? <laughs> See World War One. Um, <laughs> World War One. But do you know who has good Christian oil, Amanda? Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Oklahoma has good Christian oil. Shut We also have crisp, clean, burning natural gas, which is what we're gonna talk about today. Because it kind of goes back and forth. We're gonna go back and forth. It's like they're actually drilling for natural gas, uh-huh. but we're talking about. Oil, oil 
prices by the barrel. So yes, just energy prices. It's just bullshit. Okay. Uh huh. <laughs> um, the U.S. government was busting to find some domestic fossil fuels and sent their ge- geologists out to drill, baby, drill. And one man in particular was convinced that he had the answer to all of our problems. Henry Kissinger. Close. <laughs> Robert. Robert- Robert Alexander Hefner III. Hey, I know that name. Like the lake in the parkway? Yes. The middle school? Yeah. Don't say hair daughter. No. (laughs) I've known kids that went there. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) Um, Robert Alexander Hefner III was an Oklahoma native and the third generation wildcatter. Wow. For those of you who don't know, you need to... Watch Dynasty and learn what a wildcatter is because Blake Carrington... are you fucking kidding me? He I'm was serious. never a wildcatter. Yes, Blake Carrington was a wildcatter. He was 135 years old. Like, back in the fucking premiered. 40s. I was so. I'm saying, is this his origin story? That's how Blake Carrington became Blake Carrington? Uh-huh. He was a yeah. wildcatter. Yeah, Just he, like James Dean and Giant. Right. There you so, go. There you go. Yeah, so Giant back, instead. That's right. a really good Back when those, Blake Carrington was only in his 50s. Right. Yeah. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, wildcatters are like the dudes that went out and were like, put an X on the ground. It was like, we're drilling for oil oh, here. Right here. Yeah. And it's... To this day, to this day, to today, with all kinds of safety, yes, regular, it's still like one of the most dangerous jobs in the world. In the world. It's yeah. not a safe job. A it's, member of our family recently was almost killed. Yeah. <laughs> like by, by work, right. working on oil rigs. So Robert Alexander Hefner III was a third generation wildcatter. Alexander Hefner. He, he did actually grow up in decently rich in Beverly Hills, where he was into polo, oh, sailing yachts in the Caribbean, and shooting grouse in the Cotswolds. Oh, Here's how I made this. Yeah, how I built this. He came to OU for college. Nineteen twenty. Oh wait, that was Carl Albert. No, <laughs> uh, he came to the University of Oklahoma for college and studied geology, mm-hmm. petroleum geology. Right, where yeah, he took yeah. a class in. I want to say strategery, but it's <laughs> strat- is it just strategy? <laughs> no, strategy. it's strati- stratigraphy. Oh, stratography. Stratography. Thank you. Oh, reading. Like the st- mapping the strata. Which is a branch of a geology concerned with That's the order word. and relative position of the strata and their relationship okay. to the geological time Right. Scale. I'm looking at the side of a cliff and I'm looking at the strata yeah. in mm-hmm. it. And this is shale, which means this is where the oil is. This is, is. where the oil is. This inspired oh, shale, him yeah. to drill oh. deeper than he'd ever drilled a before. <sighs> Hefner spent, Stop, you're turning me on. Hefner spent <laughs> years glad-handing and writing articles in trade and technical ma- magazines, extolling the virtues of deep gas drilling. <laughs> in 1976, he was the chairman of oil and gas men for Carter. Okay. Well, that was back whenever Oklahoma was, like, kind of a democratic state. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. But... This was at odds with Carter's proposal for a new gas tax, like gasoline tax. Oh, wait, no! And Hefner said we <laughs> well, needed... out of office immediately. Hefner said we needed more natural gas, not more taxes. However, uh. Hefner got his wish when Carter, in a desperate bid to save himself, signed the Natural Gas Policy Act on November 9th, 1978. And from then on, this is really fucked up. Okay. From then on, price controls on gas drilled below 15,000 feet Jeez, Louise were lifted uh, so there were uh, oh, no wow. regulation caps on the price of gas drilled below so 15,000 feet on, burrowed way down the on year. the price of gas drilled by Hefner Wet. Correct. Wet. Great. Good. Good. surface gas which is the stuff that's still at the top was capped 
<laughs> I know there's a lot of talk about gas. <laughs> yeah, I'm gas. ready Surface for it. Surface gas, which is the stuff that was close to the top, was capped at as costing 22 cents per cubic foot. But the gas at 15,000 feet was not regulated. Okay, so you can charge so, whatever um, you want. Within the year, the price of deep gas, which is below 15,000 feet, gas. went to $80 per cubic foot. Jeez. Which is 287 today dollars. Mm. So... Jesus God. Surface gas was still 22 cents per cubic foot, but deep gas was $80 per cubic foot. God, that is some corrupt-ass shit. Drillers went ape shit. Yes. Imagine. They needed money to punch holes in the ground to get this shit out. And who has money? Banks. The bank. Specifically, the Penn Square Bank. Okay. Well, you you had me for a second because you're like, they needed money to get this out of the ground. Who has money? And I'm thinking, well, not the native tribes. Not the. (laughs) I'm just like, oh, yeah, a bank. Banks. 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 All right, right. Enter Billy Paul Beep Jennings. Beep. 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 And I know that just by by the way you've said this, that he's going to turn out to be deeply reprehensible. But I have to say, Billy Paul is quite a country name, and Beep is an awesome nickname. It is. It really is. Imagine, like, every time a truck backs up, he's just, like, looking around. Who say my name? So, Beep, along with Robert S. Kerr and Dean McGee, who can get their whole other episode. That's right. Yeah, you're just, like, reading streets off of the the map of downtown at this point. Yeah, you really are. (laughs) What's really crazy is Robert S. Kerr was a U.S. senator, Mm -hmm. and Dean McGee was part of Kerr-McGee Oil. And together, they built Oklahoma, the senator... And the oil man. Yeah, they really did. Yeah. <laughs> Those yeah, two. Yeah. They did. They did. Although Robert Esker was instrumental <laughs> along with somebody McClellan Who's in from building. Arkansas. That's right. In building the McClellan Kerr navigational, navigational system. system. Hey. With, oh, oh, speaking of Tulsa ads that I remember and people like this, I remember Stop and Think, John Zink. Stop <laughs> it's like another oil company kind of thing in Tulsa. I remember. Yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zinc oil was a thing. Dang. I believe. Okay. Wow. Uh, like Zinc Ranch. Yeah. 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 John Zinc in Amarillo. It's it, it's not the other Zinc. No. <laughs> no, it's not. Um. So along with Robert yeah. S. Kerr, Dean McGee, and Beep were beep, like beep. three of uh, the Penn Square Bank's original organi- organizers, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which I don't, I said here, I think it's like a board of directors or something. I don't know what yeah, exactly. Like it, fucking comptrollers and founders yeah. and shit. These three dudes made the Penn Square Bank. Yeah, right? maybe they ponied up the money or something. Right. Like, I don't know. In 1960, Beep was the president of Hilton bank like yep, Hilton, Hilton, Oklahoma, Oklahoma. <laughs> um, but also organized the Penn Square Bank so Robert Esker was a senator Dean McGee was an oil man and Beep Jenning was the president of Hilton Bank okay. which I think he had like inherited from his dad okay and they organized the Penn Square Bank built he, himself right <laughs> that's um, right that's right he, Beep left his organizational position at Penn Square Bank in 1964 and went to work at Fidelity Bank in Oklahoma City. And the, I promise this counts. No, it's fine. Um, there he was the executive vice president and chief lending officer. Uh, in that's the 1970s, he went back and bought a portion of Penn Square Bank with two other guys. And so they each owned a third. Okay. So he's like started it, went did his own thing, mm-hmm. and then came back and bought a third of it. Gotcha. Just kind of hug out. Uh huh. And then Beep was chairman of the Penn Square Bank uh, board of directors, and things looked really, really good for him. Mm-hmm. 
course one colleague said if you were having a dinner party of some size you'd want beep as your mc he knows all the oil business but he's not a detail or operations man <laughs> then what what, what do you remember when i said the collapse of the pen square bank <laughs> remember that Ooh, beep beep <laughs> beep beep oh beep beep it's the prison bus exactly just kidding in 1975, Beep announced that he wanted to start an oil and gas department at Penn Square Bank. At the time, the bank's assets sure they said yeah. At the time, the bank's assets were 40 million, about 220 million today, and only had one oil and gas lease in its portfolio. Okay. A little bit of a sidebar here. Another thing about Beep that could be its own episode. In 1970, a local operation called Four Seasons Nursing Centers of America <sighs> Inc. Went belly up. Okay. What happened was a total scam. Do you have your raise? I have a hand raise. Isn't the book about Penn Square called Belly Up? Yes. Okay. Yes, it is. Okay. One of the books about the Penn Square Bank is called Belly Up. But, um, so... The the, other one is just called Beep. It's called (laughs) Funny Money. Um, Beep. The annual reports for Four Seasons Nursing Centers of America were just booming. Yes. Booming. The kicker was all of the revenue was fake based on sales that never happened. Oh, God love these. Profits were further inflated by Four Seasons selling off properties that were losing money at an inflated price Mm -hmm. to Four Seasons Equity, Inc., which which was secretly owned by the main company, so Four Seasons was effectively buying its own properties from itself. Isn't that... Uh I think that's exactly what Enron did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. (laughs) Knowing that the company was worthless, the director, a man named Jack Clark, as well as subsidiary directors, waited until the share price had reached its peak before secretly dumping all their shares on the market. Thanks to the fraudulent accounts, Four Seasons share price soared from $11 a share when it first floated the stock market in 1968, which was the equivalent of $188 a share. This gave it, mar- this is all copy paste. This gave it a market capitalization of around 200 million, around $1.13 billion in 2020 money mm. by 1969. Oof. However, as the firm began to run into financial difficulties, because this is built on sand, this is built on sand. <laughs> investors started to sour on the company and it ended up filing for bankruptcy in 1970. Clark was eventually convicted of fraud and jailed. Beep <laughs> Jennings, one of those subsidiary directors, was an unindicted co-conspirator. Got to love that. But it was later thrown out by a federal judge. Thanks. Beep. So that indi- who had been in a fraternity with the both right. of these guys. Yeah. Said, so said that Beep. happened. <laughs> you know, Beep was an unindicted co-conspirator Beep. in 1972, and three years later, he wants to start get into the oil and gas business. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, well, sure, why not? Right. Yeah, yeah. He hired a 26-year-old dude named Bill Patterson. Oh, boy. Bill had excellent credentials. Hailing from Bartlesville, which I believe is still indecently wealthy and heavily, heavily segregated. Yes. Bill. Uh, uh, has a Frank Lloyd Wright building. Has a Frank yes. Lloyd Wright building, yeah. Has Frank That's Lloyd right. Wright's uh, only skyscraper right. design. Which is a hotel, yeah. Cut down uh, into a fraction of its original size, but still built. But still. It's super fucking neat. Mm-hmm. Go on. So Sorry. Bill went to OU, University of Oklahoma, and uh, okay. pledges a Sigma Chi where he learns the say. nickname Monkey Brains, a nickname he carried over into childhood. 
into a childhood. Excuse me, Freudian slip. <laughs> into adulthood. Yeah, into a like fucking yeah. childlike adulthood. Six right. of one, half dozen of the other. So, in childhood. He had been an assistant cashier at the First National Bank and Trust in Oklahoma City and was definitely not on the managerial track. At one point, he was told he was not loan officer material. material. <laughs> Which turned out to be true. But that didn't matter because Bill had recently married the daughter of the president of the First National Bank of Amarillo, who <laughs> Just so happened to be good friends with Beep, beep Jennings. Beep. And apparently Beep found Will beep, Bill. Beep, beep, beep. Let me start the <laughs> Apparently beep, 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 beep found beep, Bill beep, beep, Winsome. Winsome? That's a quote. That's gay shit right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Twenty-six. God. I, I yeah, no, there's no one man cannot describe another man as winsome. Being a you bit can't gay. just leave that there. Right. No, you can't just that. leave that and move on. No, and I can even like a, a, a straight man can say, "Well, that's a good-looking fella there," and that's not gay. Yeah. Winsome crosses a line. Winsome is is really that's, specific yeah. and kind of poignant. <laughs> that's some Cecil Beaton shit. That's that, Cecil um, Beaton shit. I mean, that just brings me up to I want to hear more about Beep the Brave. <laughs> Bill Patterson. Bill Patterson the Brave. Beep put Bill in charge of oil and gas lending, and his star rose quickly. And soon he was senior executive vice president and a director at the bank. Oh, my God. At some point, he got 7.2% of the stock and became one of the principal owners of the First Penn Corporation, the bank's parent organization. He is 26. And winsome. And winsome. And had an earlier job as a cashier... Uh-huh. And part-time janitor <laughs> at First Fidelity, and I was told specifically told. to be not loan officer material. Not All I can think right now is that material. Beep had a midlife awakening <laughs> and is suddenly getting the BJ's. <laughs> exactly. You know so, what you mean, Beep J's? Beep J's. So remember that Beep was not really good at organization or anything, anything else. Anything else. So while the story is called the collapse of the Penn Square, Bank. right? So while Beep was out pressing the flesh at like Chamber of Commerce meetings. <laughs> Bill ran the oil and gas division as his own personal fiefdom. Ran it. His office uh, wasn't even in the bank. Of he had, not. He had a red dog. <laughs> he had his own setup in a different building, Edness. and there he regularly ignored the advice of the loan committee. Good, good, yeah, good. Yeah, if they vetoed right. one of his loans, Bill went straight to Beep, who gave him the okay. And, and some creature <laughs> exactly. And sometimes Bill even ignored uh, Penn Square Bank's. Engineers who were responsible for estimating the oil and gas uh, reserves. The well, engineers are like, there is not, not that much oil. There's sir. nothing to drill here for somebody. Okay, yeah. I don't know if I actually explain this in it, but I would just here's the quick, simple okay. explanation. For those of you who don't know the old business, <laughs> watch Giant. Watch Giant. Yeah, there's. What's called landmen, mm-hmm. the landman who go and do the, the like the geological research on the land to find out mm-hmm. if there is oil or natural gas. Right, and in this involves land. like walking out into a pasture and taking dirt samples right. and shit. Right, and ch- and and getting back into like property records uh-huh. back so far, so, like. Find out what Native Americans the the land runners was right. originally stolen from. Right, stolen and so from. once you get a little bit of evidence that there might be this signs point to oil, mm-hmm. then you get money to drill. Yes, and it's speculation and speculation, and that's what the you get. You're borrowing money from Bill and Beep uh-huh. to go out to drill. 
it does not mean you are going to hit oil. Right. It does not mean you're going to find oil. And so, but Beep is ignoring the engineers who are like, there's not anything here. But he's like, we're lending money. Yeah, no. So truly, Bill only wanted to deal with what he called new oilies. The guys who busted onto the scene after deregulation. Uh But there was one thing holding him back. As a beep. Yeah. (laughs) At the time, Penn Square Bank's legal loan limit was 10%, about $4 million. And that meant that they had to get other banks to participate in the deal. And I will try my best to explain that. Okay. This is a lot of fiduciary concepts. I told you guys not to come here for hot banking takes, but we're working on it. And I guarantee you it will pay pay off in non-banking excitement. Oh, it does pay off. (laughs) Also, people, a lot of people lose their money, but... um, you know, it's selling loans to other banks. Yes, the Penn Square Bank would originate the loan and get then get a one to three percent payment for starting it, and then they would turn around and sell it to a bigger bank with more money. If In- you remember a little a year, I like to call two thousand eight, yes. when the entire economy imploded. Right, yes. this was exactly mortgages. the same thing that happened. Mm-hmm. Yes. Go on. Yeah. yeah. So every few years, people keep thinking this will be a great idea. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're going to get to a point here that the, the <laughs> screaming. The, uh-huh. the, like, this is, it's basically. And now it's all up. Cryptocurrency. Nice. Uh-huh. Good job, guys. At least this is a fucking oil and gas <laughs> lease. Exactly. Oil yeah. exists. You based, might strike oil. It's based on a thing that actually based on is. a thing. You might also somewhere. be able to like turn around and sell it as ranch land, you know. Correct. It's something so, you real can take out of the ground. Always a good investment. And set okay. on fire. So, this is selling the loan to a bigger bank with more money. And in this case, Bill Patterson went to uh, and except for one of these are banks that no longer exist. (laughs) Or maybe they do. I don't fucking know. Banking, banking. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care. Bill Patterson went to, and this is a few of, I think, many, but these are the big ones. Okay. And these were big fucking deals. You know, back whenever there were different banks, you know, Uh Continental Bank in Chicago, C first in Seattle, a Chase Bank in Manhattan. Okay. Chase Manhattan. It's not Chase Manhattan okay. yet. I lived it's, on top of Manhattan Chase. Um, and Hibernia Bank in Louisiana. Mm. However, since it is these mid seventies, a recession is on, and these banks were eager to get into business because then people would pay back their loans mm-hmm. so that they would make money. But that also meant that they took on. The risk if the borrower couldn't pay it back. back. And spoiler alert, the separation of the origin and the risk never goes well. Yeah. Correct. Again, 2008. Another reason these big banks were so starved was the collapse of the steel industry. Steel prices peaked in 1973. (laughs) That's later than I thought. And then (laughs) cratered. And so banks were looking for new, and it's like it's like coal and steel, those other fossil fuels. <laughs> I was going to say, anything in the 1850s, baby, railroads. Right, <laughs> exactly. All cratered. Dirigibles. And so they were looking for <laughs> other forms of energy. Right. Of oil and gas. <laughs> but not things like wind and solar, because you can't make money off you of can't no, do no, those. No, not that. You can't no. do those. So, um, Patterson, doesn't fuck everything up enough. Right, right. <laughs> Patterson increased the Penn Square Bank's assets from $90 million in 1970, which is like 1970 money, yeah. to $141 million a year later. Shit. Wow. Um, it's impressive, I know. And 
it's going to last forever because the price of oil and gas <laughs> will never, never go down. down. And Mm-mm. they will never run out. No. The nope. earth is an endlessly refilling supply. That's right. We'll here in a little bit, we're going to hear about how long this is going to last from Bill. Okay. So now, Beep. while we're riding high... Oh. Beep is the winsome. <laughs> Bill's the winsome one. Okay? Bill's the winsome Bill's one, winsome. and Beep is the, the winsome appreciator. Yes, I want to tell you guys about a little something called okismo. Oh no! Like like it's like machismo, like machismo, but okie, yeah. but okie. Oklahomans like to talk about themselves Ugh. like they're just like simple hicks who through like the power of prayer uh-huh. and family money like just got lucky. We're all oh just good God. old boys down here. We want to shoot the shit. That's right. Fuck, go fishing and punch we, some holes in the ground. Yeah, we right, just got blessed. Lord, punch some holes in the ground. Yep, yep. Penn Square Bank was run by guys who loved America, freedom, and the deregulation that freedom and America brought brought them. them. Right. They loved not paying taxes. Right. (laughs) And like I said earlier, this whole effort was to tear the shackles off of this great country of ours. No. No longer would Americans be enslaved by a bunch of foreigners who weren't even Christians and definitely did not deserve all that oil they're hoarding. Uh Uh-huh. Those men can wear dresses. Okismo was the idea that any man within strict parameters deserved to have a gigantic house in a private zoo, deserved to have a Learjet and like go to dinner in Aspen, and not and because they could pay for all that meant they worked really, really hard. They yeah. did. Yeah, it wasn't Fucking just the they they salt of being but I'm I'm a, not just for themselves. No. No, no. But for, for fucking America. Of course. These men are the bringers of change. Change. You know, sure. manifest destiny is real. Because they could do it, mm-hmm. it meant God wanted them. Mm-hmm. It meant God wanted mm-hmm. them to do it. And if these Middle Easterners, which I read a lot of racial slurs in the I research here. Uh, no. Like me trying to read about Ken Casey. <laughs> exactly. Oh, God. So they did it. No, 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 no. God wants this. God wants this. Uh-huh. But it wasn't just the fat cats who had okismo. No, 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 no. The guys on the rig had okismo too. And they got sweaty and did dangerous shit like toting that iron. You know, if one of them's going to be sexy, it's not going to be the guy in the polyester suit who's at the bank. No, it's, it's going to be Wrangler butts driving me nuts over but here. But if <laughs> something went wrong, like a catastrophic career ending injury, well, shit, they didn't make a big deal out of it. Fucking throw another dip in your lip and just get back to work. Get back to work. Because we, too, are rescuing America That's by destroying right. our knees the, or head or back or back or, or just or earth or water, sister, earth, all of it. We have earthquakes in Oklahoma now. It's great. Because yeah, of this. Um, same goes if you take a bath on a land deal. Fuck. The more you owe the bank is the higher your OQ. Oklahoma. Your quotient. Like intelligence Your OQismo quotient. Then this is like some like red pill pickup artist shit. It's weird <laughs> shit. Then you can meet with your fellow Okismiacs over at Juniors and get all self-deprecating. Our, um... We will be talking about Juniors in just okay, a Okay, good. <laughs> Our, uh... Is, is Okismo uh, sometimes accidentally interpreted as winsomeness? Only by beep. <laughs> Listen, um, I think when... Well, here it is. When, okay, when it comes to Okismo... Like recognizes like. So if gotcha. you think it's a like guy gaydar. is if you think a guy is winsome, it's because of his okismo. It's not like gaydar at all. Okay? Not like gay shit at all. Like, yes, 
they're your fancy drilling rigs and like sweet, sweet private aircraft for those helicopter trips to the golf course. But there are also Cadillacs, custom exotic hide cowboy boots, giant turquoise belt buckles, fur coats for men, Stetsons, um, my God. Fur coats for men. Stetsons, my God. The Stetsons. So many Stetsons. <laughs> there, ladies do not have Okismo. Ladies are attracted to... To, to Okismo. No, that's, the women at this time were a very different look. Mm-hmm. That's that's why Okismo causes frenzied bathroom hand jobs. That's <laughs> right. It is very, very not kidding, much like Dallas. No, yeah, yeah. like Dallas the TV yeah. show. Dallas like the TV show. Real. Zero irony. Dallas was that's yes. what it yeah. was like. That's what it was like. They're, the fringe stories, maybe not. Right, yes. yeah. The documentary television program Dallas. Right, exactly. But it is very much like the fur coats for men. Jesus God. So let's circle back to like, juniors oh my God. real fast. How many hours of the year do you need a fur coat in, in Oklahoma? Oklahoma. In Oklahoma. Jesus Christ. You're in Texas. But if you're hopping on your jet to go to Aspen, Aspen for dinner, dinner. Oh, yeah, there you, you go. might there you need go. your there fur you coat. So. Okay. Let's circle back to juniors. I want to hear about juniors. 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 Oh, man. <laughs> Located in the Oil Center building, which is three blocks away from Penn Square, and also is um, until before the pandemic where my therapist's office I was going to say, I know which building it is. Mm-hmm, it's on Northwest Expressway. Yeah. Are we also going to talk about the club what? that's at the top of the skyscraper in downtown Oklahoma City? No. Okay. Fast? No. no. You're talking about the Eagle's Nest. Eagle's Nest. No, uh, Petroleum Club. Petroleum Club. No, oh, there's we're not a, gonna, yeah, there's a we're not going to talk okay. about the Petroleum Club. We're, right that now, might be a different show. Yeah, right <laughs> now we're talking near. about the Oil Center Building, which yes, is ma'am. still there. Down still the called Express. the Oil Center Building, right by the Belle Isle Library. Right by the end, it is three blocks away from Penn Square. Juniors was the oil man's watering hole. It oh, opened man. in 1973 when Junior Simon left his job managing the Habana <gasps> to start his own yeah. place. Hell yeah. The Habana, which was still a like, legit hotel at the time, because my friend Tina, who will come up in my story later, Hab- the Habana Inn. The Habana Inn is a motel on Route 66, which mm-hmm. is now called the Crosstown Expressway. <laughs> it's the 39th Expressway I, I, I or I-44. Or, yeah. But um, if you drive Route 66, you will go down You will go highway. down and you will go by the Habana Inn, which is a motel. And once upon a time, it was an... I, I quote unquote actual motel where you might stop and stay for the night, but now it was it's kind of nice. I mean, <laughs> I've been into two, the lobby. It's got two swimming pools mm-hmm. and rooms, and it had some like nightclubs and stuff. And now it is an, a nationally known gay hotel <laughs> and has been for, for yeah. decades, forty years, for forty years, thirty years. Yeah, <laughs> I first went there in nineteen eighty six on and, that strip. Yeah, and until recently, uh, it was like a, a, a truly amazingly sleazy gay hotel. It's, it's, still, it's still they've renovated it and okay. they painted some murals on it and they yeah. tried to rename stuff. But baby, this is still the Havana. Uh, 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 the only time I ever went into the Havana. Uh huh. Further than the lobby, or excuse me, the club gushers. <laughs> oh. Now the, the Copa. The, yes, there were said the, the Copa. The was Copa the, Havana. The Copa had the rock music. Was and, the dance club, and then Gushers was the country bar. Mm-hmm. And I actually like to hang out in Gushers because. Uh, there's never anybody in the women's room, and you can go to the bathroom right away. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's nice. so true. And the bar is really nice, mm-hmm. and it's fun to sit at. And uh, so we would always hang out in Geshers because, like, you, you go in the Copa, and it's super dark, and it's all like, <laughs> yeah, it's that yeah. one. Yeah. 
I, that's the awesome. The best one named one is Saddle Tramps. Which Saddle is Tramps. Which oh, is hell the, yeah, yeah. The, the actual country market. This is it like what what would become known as Oklahoma City's gay district? It is. Which is yeah, but Third, yeah. which was like at the time, I mean, please correct me if I'm wrong because I don't know all, yep. all of this, but it, wasn't it basically just like Angles and the Habana? Angles and the Habana and the Rec Room, which was the underage club. Mm-hmm. Oh. And uh, Lady Coyote. Lady Coyote, which Lady was Coyote. the Dyke Bar, which is now the Phoenix, which is a bear bar. Oh, yeah, yeah, And yeah. one, I can't, it's a place that they renovate. It used to be called, There was shit. one called The Park. The Park, but, yes. Yeah. And The Park is the one that didn't have a cover charge and wasn't music-y, and you could just go in and sit. Yeah. And it's all renovated itself to be fancy, <laughs> except the bathroom is still like a concrete hole. Yeah. Yes. Did you spend any money to go back here? Yeah, the park was... Because, like, whenever I would go out with Doug uh-huh. to these, we'd go to Angles, um, which was, like, the big... Angles was the big nice the one. The big what, nice one. And then we would walk down the street and go over to the Copa for a little while uh-huh. because it was smaller and gayer. Uh-huh. The, co- the Angles <laughs> was so well-known that it's where, like, bachelorette parties would come. There would be bachelorette. Well, there was also... There weren't any bachelorette parties when I was going there, but there was, there was like, the... Like, Vietnamese corner was uh, like all yes. like the like yes. Vietnamese gangster guys would hang out with uh, their girlfriends uh-huh. and everyone's like that's cool okay, we're dancing. sure I went to, I saw Boy George play there exactly <laughs> oh my okay, god so, okay so sorry this is gay bar gay yeah, bar no, gay bar I, gay bar so but he ran the Habana back when it was he, a, he, not a gay bar not, yes he <laughs> opened juniors in 73 um Junior Simon. And I am not kidding when I say that going into juniors is like stepping back in time because not one thing has changed since 1973. Everything is red. Can you still smoke in there? I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, We're getting there. Red walls, red upholstery, red carpet, gold accents, gold chandeliers. According to a 2017 article in 405 Magazine, the city and lifestyle magazine of central Oklahoma, Junior's has only had two chefs since it opened and one of the wait staff has been there since the beginning that oh was it as God. of 2017 still crap for crap uh-huh uh-huh and I'm it, a waiter at juniors and that's all i've ever been right dude back the fat tips of in the day dude, dude seriously yeah. to this day, and the, it's at like the sunken bar <laughs> yeah so a while back I don't even know when, but it's been a while. They changed the smoking laws that says if a restaurant wanted to have a smoking section, it had to have its own ventilation system. Right. Yeah, and it was juniors, like incredibly onerous, and in, it was designed to just... To make them say just, no. Yeah, to make, make them people say no. just Except remove their smoking sections. Yes. Juniors enclosed the entire bar lounge area. <laughs> so you can go in and there's like the restaurant over here. And then there's the place where like that has the sunken bar. Uh-huh. Um, and then you can go in like Sausalito's playing. Yeah. Um, and um But also you can I still see. eat you can still eat in the smoking yes, section. Ta- there are total like, a lot of tables where yeah, you can there's just no, eat nothing there. to stop you from going in there and ordering Absolutely your not. meal, eating your meal, and they come and like they just they put the, they do the thing where they put the clean ashtray on top of the old one and take uh, it away. Yeah. It's amazing. It is fucking nice. I'm not kidding. Dude, and it is like Catalyst also has a big smoking section that they're like, okay, well then we'll do this. Well, no shit. Yeah. It's like if we don't allow smokers in this restaurant, we will lose all of our business. We will lose all of our business. Or at least a place where like we're having dinner with grandpa and he's going to go and like smoke at the bar and come back. Yeah. So doing deals at Junior's was a pillar of Okismo. Oh, Okismo. Now, where were we? 
Yes, the price of oil will never go down. Right, and there will never be no oil. No, and the bank was making money, and the drillers were making money, and the dudes who owned the land were making money, and there was so much money. Money It was just everywhere. Go around. So much money that uh, brought the attention of the office of the comptroller of the currency, (laughs) which is part of the Treasury Department. Oh, wait a minute. Y'all have some money down here. Bill Patterson didn't give a fuck because he was too busy having a good time. And let me preface this next part by saying that no where in any of my research materials did I find reference to massive cocaine use. However, I mean, nowhere, but however, it was the 80s. These yep. people are really fucking rich. And frankly, cocaine use doesn't sound quite okismo. Yeah. No. Those boys don't do cocaine. No. You know? But with Bill Patterson, yes. it's either coke or just like extreme mental illness. Right. I'm right. guessing it's cocaine. I'm going to guess it's cocaine and probably a little bit of both, but definitely. Yeah, I wouldn't think that. I wouldn't bet that there was tons of coke all over Junior's, but. I bet you could but get a bump get at it. Junior's if you wanted and, to. But there are some individuals who were totally There was like, at least one waiter right. who could get it for yes. you. Yes. Who could get it for you. Um, So. At various times, Bill Patterson showed up at the office wearing a complete Tyrolean outfit, later hosing in a cap <laughs> with a little feather, or he was wearing Mickey Mouse ears, or he was just in your like basic like German uniform oh. helmet. Uh. Mm-hmm. But what's really important is the way he did business, or more accurately, didn't do business. <laughs> According to the people who worked with Bill, the workday often ended with champagne. And if the money was especially good that day, Bill would say, let's rodeo, and then they'd fly to Vegas on the company jet. Another guy said one New Year's Eve they took a jet and started in New York, partied, flew to Chicago, partied, flew to Denver, partied, partied, and so on. Okay. And again, there was mention of drinking champagne out of a boot. (laughs) Bill Patterson would drink his champagne out of a boot, and then this guy also said, and then he just put his boot back on. (laughs) Of course. It's like... Both are disgusting. Both of these are horrifying. Bill Patterson made... T- <laughs> There's definitely cocaine and mental illness going on here. Yeah. yeah. Bill Patterson... I don't know if it's mental illness or just gross, gross entitlement. Oh, yeah, 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 Bill, winsomeness. Winsomeness. yeah. Winsomeness. With winsomeness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just precious. So Bill made <laughs> serious, legitimate cocktail napkin deals at Junior's when he wasn't um, instigating quail fights at really nice restaurants. They, he would go to, like, really nice... Fly to fucking Aspen. Fly to fucking, I don't know where you go. Mm-hmm. Houston. Go to the best restaurant on Penn Square Banks tab. Uh-huh. Food fight. Oh, that kind of, I was thinking, oh. like, like, and like, like, I'm throwing a quail cutlet at you, or you and I each have a live quail, and it's fighting No, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. a cooked I, I thought, quail. Okay. I thought you were talking about, like, cock fights. I thought you were talking about, like, cock fighting, except with like, quail. That's sad. No. <laughs> that's awful. That's terrible. No. And they both just, like, wander off, and you keep having shoving them at each other. <laughs> no, it's, it's food fights. Oh, he food would fights. go to super nice restaurants, oh, drink champagne out of his fight. boot, and have a fucking food fight, and what put it cool on Penn Square Banks. Bill. He sounds wow. awesome. I totally want to have sex with him. Uh-huh. On one occasion, an He's officer so from Manufacturers Hanover Trust in New York City, which is a bank, and called <sighs> Manny Hanny in the business, which is funny, <laughs> met with Bill Patterson, who urged the dude to drink boot beer. And the office, the loan officer was like, 
fuck that. I am out. Which probably saved Manny Hanny, Manny Hanny like billions of dollars. He's no like, shit. I yeah. am not doing business with you. And <laughs> that's gross. That's why they didn't go out of business until the 2008 hey, financial that's right. crisis. That's right. Nope, no subprime mortgage people made them drink boot beer. No. Nope, nope. Again, this is not banking, banking, but Bill Patterson did not do, he, like he didn't do the paperwork. Mm-hmm. One woman I saw interviewed talked about opening up a loan file and finding a napkin deal. Oh, like, here's a fucking napkin. Uh-huh. This is, it's like, this dude gets $50 million, signed Bill Patterson. is like, smeared with quail. Right. This is not legally binding, and more importantly, it doesn't prove that the borrower has money. Mm-hmm. Or any, more importantly, anything to anything. back up the right. money and A with. fucking phone number. Even I know how loans work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I don't pay my how, my mortgage, they will take my house away from That's me. Right. Yeah. That's, That's how right. loans work. So yep. Patterson would regularly promote, I assume, sec- sexy secretaries to be money managers. <sighs> One of these ladies got a $60,000 unsecured loan and bought a Mercedes. And when asked uh, by, I guess, somebody else who's like, uh, uh, if she Sally, right, get that? if she used the Benz as collateral, Patterson said she didn't need collateral because she was just going to pay back the loan. According to one article I read, quote, you could walk in the door without a financial plan or any formal written proposal. And if what you outlined was verbally sounded feasible, you could sit down and sign your name on a note. And maybe some oil and gas mortgages were all prepared in blank. So loan officers would sign the forms and the lenders would fill in the blanks. Wow. But money, you guys, there was like a lot of money. I totally want to do this. In 1980, (laughs) Penn Square Bank doubled the amount of their loan participations five times. In 1981, Penn Square Bank made $1.2 billion in loans, which is close to the $3.75 today, and it went from a $30 million million operation to a $500 million operation in four years. These are 1980 dollars. legit. It's totally legit. In April 19... Greed is good, Brian. Right. In April 1981, the price of oil reached $36.95 a barrel, which is $120 today. Today, as of Thursday, Uh um, August 11th, when I did this research, oil was $94.64 a barrel. So it's still not as expensive as it was back then. But I do remember... Being young and hearing about $40 a barrel oil being a big deal, uh-huh. but that 1981 oil never hit $40. It fell to $10. That's, that'd be hard if you'd based your entire like banking system on the price of oil. And indeed staked your literal bank on it. One of the I'm not a smart lady. But. Many, many <laughs> untenable things about this situation is Penn Square Bank is handing out loans to dudes who not only have found oil, but dudes out there <laughs> looking for it. And if you strike it rich... Then that's awesome. Then you've got money, money, money. And if, if you, you don't, don't, you just paid a fuck ton to drill 15,000 feet yeah, underground. Dirt, dirt, dirt. And your yeah. loan will come due PD quick. I thought I put this in here. I'm going to say it now. The thing about drilling to 15,000 feet, that was just three miles underground. Three miles, ladies and is gentlemen. You, Nine mile borehole. You could... Do it back then, but it took a lot of special equipment. Mm-hmm. And since the fact that the price of natural gas was capped at twenty two cents per square feet, it just there was no reason to. Right. I mean, you're going to spend a shit ton of fucking money drilling down to fifteen thousand feet 
to get 22 cents per square foot. Yeah. Right. Which but 15,000 feet, it was like, that was where you could sell it for whatever price you wanted That was to. the deep oil. Right. The deep gas play. Gas play. The deep uh, gas uh, play uh, that uh, Robert uh. Hefner hustled so hard for to get the cap lifted yeah. on that 15,000 feet uh, down. Oh, but you're talking about oil from way down there. It's gas. Oh. I Like I said. I, gas, oil, I don't know. <laughs> yes. It's, it's talking about drilling for natural gas 15,000 feet down. So, um, psh, uh, this did not stop Bill Patterson. He continued to participate in what one guy called dump truck banking. Hey! Which sounds great. <laughs> at dump one point, bank. they do that, a lot of that at the Havana. They do. Yeah, they yeah. do. They do. Yeah, there was an entire theme Money changes hands. There was. One time in particular, Bill showed up in Seattle on the Penn Square Bank jet, quote, filled with good-looking young dollies. Filled with good-looking young dollies for the Christmas party. He brought along with him documentation of some $100 million in loans that Penscar Bank needed to unload before the end of the year. Okay. There at Seafirst Bank, Bill met his spiritual counterpoint counterpart john boyd <laughs> boyd liked to work shirtless smoking cigars and wearing a chairman Mao cap but even boyd knew that pensquare bank was fucked and he said the guys at pensquare bank pile loans in a dump truck bring them to seattle pick up the cash and dump it back to pensquare as it turned out these loans had already been sold to Continental Illinois Bank and some other banks too. But those banks realized that these original loans were trash mm-hmm. and sent them back to <laughs> Pensquare Bank saying, we're not going to buy these. <laughs> so Bill loaded them up and tried to sell them in Seattle. Jeez Louise. And one lo- occasion, a loan officer described Pensquare Bank as a shell game without a P. Hey. <laughs> Lots of paperwork was stuffed in boxes all willy-nilly and then just shipped to Central Illinois, who didn't bother to look at it. They just, like, wired the money. Okay. Wow. This is like... This oh, is all the paperwork. Right. Central Illinois is the place to send something if you don't want anyone Excuse to ever me. find it. Continental Illinois. That's the name oh. of the bank. Okay. Just like Central Illinois. Yeah. yeah. Look, <laughs> in just, a soybean field. Either or. Either or. Near Rockford. <laughs> By April of 1982, Penn Square <laughs> Bank was showing signs of stress. Really? The Treasury Department sent a team out to investigate the astronomical growth of this bank. And yeah. the head of the investigation was a man named Steve Plunk. And Plunk. he... And plunk. Beep. I saw well, an inner plunk and beep. Plunk V beep. Oh, and um Plunk. And he went in there right in there and he checked the balances and he looked at one statement that had shit like like costs like the building, the furniture, payroll, right. computers and all that listed. And then he saw there was a spot that had been like whited out oh. and over it had been written oh. other with a <laughs> <laughs> Ten to twelve million dollar figure written in there. Twelve million dollars, other, other. Ten to twelve, you know, like that. Between two Something and like eleven, that. you know, like two million dollars is just like blah, blah. other, other. So Plunk thought that this figure, money. <laughs> this figure had to do with the new building that Pensquare Bank had under construction. That building stands oh. today right by 39th Expressway, uh-huh. across from Pensquare Mall, and then it was called the Penn Bank Tower, growing mm-hmm. with energy growing with energy yes. it was not this <laughs> it was this not. 10 to 12 million dollar other payment was interest payments oh. the pensquare bank sold the loans to other bank but the borrower can't pay the interest to pensquare bank and so pensquare bank has to pay the interest to see first or chase manhattan this is working out and yeah, when Plunk yeah, looked yeah. closer he discovered that many of the borrowers Beep. were dudes from pensquare bank 
<laughs> including Robert Hefner III. So these are the guys that had borrowed money, were not paying their interest payments, which meant that they could not be paid to see first or chase mm-hmm. Manhattan. Other. <sighs> when Steve Plunk mentioned this to the Penn Square <laughs> Bank officer, he was told that he, <laughs> Steve Plunk, just didn't understand the oil and gas business. And, like, this is how we do it. And Steve Plunk was like, I don't have to understand the oil and gas industry because I understand the banking industry. And you guys are a bank. And oil and gas has to comply with the bank. Right. And P.S. You are (laughs) fucked American. So fucked American. In 1982, Penn Square Bank was servicing over $2 billion in loan preparations. And according to Steve Plunk, very few of those were being paid back. And Bill Patterson had some splaining to do. (laughs) Everyone at Penn Square Bank and said... Everyone who Steve Plunk went to about like this, and they were like, oh, you need to talk to Bill Patterson. You need to talk to Bill Patterson. Um, Fucking Beep was like, you need to talk to you need to talk to Bill Patterson. Well, Bill was gone all the time. So we have Beep, Bill, and Plunk. Um, (laughs) One day, well, Plunk and his... Okay, listen to this. One day, while Plunk and his team were, like, on site doing the audit... Plunking and beeping and shit. Plunking and beeping and shit. Bill and... People left the... People left the blank on Friday. Sorry. (laughs) That won't get you into this bank. (laughs) And Billy and beeping. So if you're looking to find Plunk, he has the oil you can share. All you gotta do is beep it and beep it and Billy it and Billy it. Okay, so okay, this is this is crazy shit. I'm serious. One time, while Plunk and his team were there on site digging through boxes and files, plunking and beeping, people, everybody left the bank on like Friday, uh-huh. went home, and on Monday when they came back, a wall had been taken down. Oh, shit. a brand new Rolls Royce had been parked in the lobby, and the wall was rebuilt. And the offer um, was that if someone deposited one million in the bank for a year, the rolls was theirs, theirs. instead of interest. Oh, Plunk um, was fucking there. Like the government like, was there. Like, sir, you're from the Treasury Department. Once Plunk did get some face. Beep was so beep. winsome. Beep. Beep is. <laughs> beep. Who, beep who? Sir. Beep's gone. Once Steve. Sir, Beep was quite winsome. Plunk did get some FaceTime with Bill. Trying to explain to him that this paperwork is trash, and I reiterate, you guys are fucked, fucked. American. There's nothing you can do at this point, okay? Bill jumped up on the couch and pointed <laughs> to a map of the Anadarko Basin, which, okay, let me pause right here. The Anadarko Basin is part of western Oklahoma and part of the Texas Panhandle. Yes. And, like, the Permian Basin in Texas, it's a, it's an oil and gas field. Yes, it is. And um, so he pointed at the map of the Anadarko Basin saying, this is the Anadarko Basin. It's got enough oil and gas in there to power the world for fucking 5,000 years or some shit. And then he threatened to have Steve Plunk fired. I know people in continental (laughs) Illinois and they can go to Washington and get you fired. To which Steve Plunk said, well, okay, Bill. But right now we need to talk about these loans. <laughs> uh-huh. So until you get me fired, we're going to You talk need about to answer this. some questions. Yeah. You can, but you have not yet. So, right. so after 2 weeks of investigation, Plunk called in his boss, like the Treasury Department and said this bank is insolvent. 
In fact, one of the dudes on Plunk's team called the Penn Square Bank a cesspool. Ooh. And Plunk's boss was like, this is really bad, you yeah. guys. Damn, y'all. Fourth of July weekend, 1982, had Beep scrambling to find a buyer for the bank's assets. And nobody Nobody's would touch buying. it. Can't imagine. Nobody was touching <laughs> No. Well, actually, apparently, a few people were interested, and they cl- got close enough, and there was like, this thing is covered in maggots. There's no way. <laughs> hey, maybe. Ooh. We're, oh, we're oh, about oh, to get no. some really sexy stuff here. I'm excited. Paul Sexier Vol- than Winsome. <laughs> Paul Volker, then the chairman of the Federal Reserve, oh my did God. not want the Penn Square Bank to close because of something to do with interest rates. I don't fucking I don't know. know. Yeah, that's too much. I think his deal was, these interest rates I'm setting are fucking awesome, and I cannot have a bank collapse to fuck that up. Uh-huh. And then the F FDIC went to the Secretary of the Treasury, Donald Reagan, who said, close it down. Name. Yes, Reagan. Yeah. It spelled the same way as Reagan, but it was not. It it's was Reagan. Donald Reagan. Penn Square Bank closed on Monday, July 5th for the holiday. Uh-huh. Since 4th of July was on Sunday, it was closed <laughs> on Monday. Um, it both closed business and closed forever. Mm-hmm. At wow. that time, only a small number of banks had ever closed down depression style. A yeah. small number. And the FDIC was called in to find out what the fuck happened. <laughs> um, what the fuck happened? When the Penn Square Bank closed, it had 28,000 accounts. And people were told that if they had less than $100,000 in their account, they'd be okay. But the bank was... What? <laughs> but the bank was holding your money... For right now, mm-hmm. so you couldn't get any. You couldn't pay your bills or right, anything right. like that. Oh, my fucking God. If you had more than $100,000, it was gone. Wow. The chairman of the FDIC was so freaked out before meeting with depositors that he wore a bulletproof vest. Shit. I bet he did. People lined up outside of the bank on the morning of July 6th trying to get their money out. I'm imagining this like the oh line on the movie Airplane where everybody's like lined up to get the guy to stop with the hiccups. You're right. And right. They, have like, they have like guns and uh-huh. knives and lead pipes. I feel that it is necessary to mention that it was 90 degrees on the day of July 6th, 1982. <laughs> and then seeing that pictures really of everybody low. in their polyester clothes oh, waiting for their money makes me want to cry. Yeah. Yeah, financial ruin, yes. But it was hot in one clip there's a lady with a full tray of dixie cups full of water walking walking up and down the line Uh. ambulances were on standby knowing that somebody was going to go down yes meanwhile over at junior shit was bleak guys were crying desperately tossing old quail did boot beer was like ash in their, in their mouths. mouths. Just listlessly tossing quail. It just lands with a thumb fucking... a foot in front of you. Right. Um, but Penn Square Bank was not the only failure. After it went down, there were 139 bank failures in Oklahoma. And basically, like, money in o- banking in Oklahoma was, like, fucked nationwide. Right. Do yeah. not yeah. go there. Continental Illinois was one of the top banks in the United States. It was, like, fourth. After Penn Square Bank, it nearly collapsed, and the government bailed it out to the tune of $4.5 billion, 1982 dollars. Jesus, Lord. Which saved over 100 other banks. C-First had to merge with Bank America, and Chase Manhattan Bank had to eat millions of dollars in losses. The collapse of the Penn Square Bank resulted in massive changes in banking regulation. And one of the things that was officially done away with were... Character loans. Oh, oh like, I like wow. you, so you can like, You could no longer lend money to a dude just because he had Okismo. Wow. That's wow. like the opposite of like racist discrimination loans. It's where you absolutely can't... the opposite of racist right? discrimination it is. loans. I read an article one time about a guy who was a banker in like 
Pennsylvania who loaned money to Amish oh, people. Yeah. And he they were like, how do you do that? Yeah. And he's like, it's very much a character loan. Yeah. You know? And... I mean, I guess that works yeah. out for them. But yeah. as for Beep and Bill, well, Beep was Beep never monk. charged because according to the law, his biggest crime was putting Bill Patterson in charge of shit. <laughs> well, Patterson had... Can I at least hope that a bunch of Okismos came and beat the ever-loving snot out of him? <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, Patterson, who had actually been fired five days before the collapse, was definitely charged. His first trial here in Oklahoma, he was accused of tricking borrowers into making loans to bail out other borrowers mm-hmm. and of faking new notes to pay off bad debts, of misleading and participating of misleading the big participating banks into continuing their practice of buying Penn Square bank loans and making huge loans he knew weren't credit worthy. Ugh. One <sighs> prosecutorial route was to charge borrowers for not spending the money on what they borrowed it for, uh. which is like a real thing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's like if you borrowed this money to buy a house and then you spend it all like on hookers and right. crack, that's not right. <laughs> In this case, that was very difficult because the loan pay- papers were blank. That's right. Oh, we don't yeah, know yeah, why yeah, this yeah. loan was, was borrowed, borrowed and we don't know it. what it was spent on. Okay. Um, plus, Bill Patterson would move shit around on the reg, so one lo- loan was paying for another thing. It was moved to pay for something else, and it was impossible to untangle. The judge's final instruction to the jury was that they had to determine whether or not Bill Patterson intended to defraud the bank, which they, <laughs> they couldn't prove. Right, No. Because um, he didn't write anything on the paper. Right. Patterson was honestly, acquitted on September 27th, 1984. His lawyers had to help him out of the courtroom because he was crying like a bitch. And he, said, <laughs> he said, nobody knows what I've been through the past two years. I'm just so tired. Oh. I can hardly stand up. And he went home and went to sleep. And when he woke up the next morning, he learned that he had been indicted on 16 counts in Chicago yes. for the damage he inflicted on Continental Illinois Bank. And this time he went to jail for yes. two years. At his sentence- Two years. Okay, guys, I'm going to say for the next half, I want you to remember how many millions of dollars this man stole and how many lives he ruined and he served two years. Yes. Okay? At yep. his, Keep that in mind. At his sentencing. Keep that in mind along with mandatory minimums. Also t- at his sentencing, he said, I'm sorry for the people in Chicago and Oklahoma. <laughs> no, you're not. I think about that a lot. No, I not. bet you do. No, and that was the collapse of the Penn Square Bank. <sighs> I remember all of this. And now the building is was raised and a Marie Callender's has been built in its place. No, it's not a Marie Callender's, man. It's no. a cheesecake factory. Oh, that's right. It's a cheesecake factory. Whenever I worked at Penn Square Mall, well, one thing it took me a while to realize was the the thing where the Cheesecake Factory is now was the, like, drive-through teller uh-huh, uh-huh. portion. Oh, and the bank okay, itself yeah. was inside yeah, was the, the mall. The, yes. Oh, but the the tower though by the by the, the highway, tower that on was, the other they side were building right that was what they were building uh-huh. yeah. at the time it went belly up oh okay and the the Penn <laughs> Bank Tower growing with energy mm-hmm. the one that looks Not. just like the Opubco building <laughs> the one that looks just like the Opubco building and the there's a book Opubco that I, building I, my, oh wait here's my um um I watched an uh, OETA back in time program Ooh. called Breaking the Bank. Um, there was a huge article in the Chronicles of Oklahoma called Penn Square Bank, the shopping center bank that shook the world by Michael J. Hightower. I read uh, Funny Money by Mark Singer, yeah. which was originally, Mark Singer's from Oklahoma, and it was originally an article in the New Yorker. Oh, cool. And Which the Funny Money was published in 1985. Belly Up was the other big book uh-huh. about the Penn Square uh-huh. Bank, but that was like the really big one. Yeah, yeah. And we then, have a week, guys. 
<laughs> right. And then there was an article called The Swinger Who Broke Penn Square Bank by <laughs> Roy Rowan. Plunk. Uh-huh. The, so, oh, beep. man. Beep. That Plunk. is great. Beep. Oh, my God, I know. Not Jesus, only fucking... do they do bad, but they just dragged everybody <laughs> oh. down with them. Uh, I, so... But that's okay. Um, the price of oil will never fall. Right. No. We'll never run out of it. We'll never run out of it. It will certainly not wildly fluctuate uh, based on events that are out of our control. So it's called sh- the 80s. It's yeah. It's going to last forever. It's going to last forever. It's <laughs> I called got a story for I got a story for All you. All right. At, so. At Juniors. At Juniors. One of We're going to go times. to Juniors during halftime, We're half going to Juniors okay. for halftime. We're getting Brandy uh, Whips. Brandy Whips. God damn it. I was about to tell about the Brandy Whips. Tell us about, about Brandy, Brandy Whips. Whips. Well, you've already talked about it. No, no. So, so, yeah, the sunken bar. Um, we started. Well, explain what you mean by sunken bar. Well, so, okay. Um, Aaron and I started going to Juniors not too long after we moved back to Oklahoma City in 2011. And, um. Because I think you've never Did been you there, right? There? <laughs> yeah, that had a big thing, to, a lot to do with. It. Although you could still smoke a lot of different places then. That's right. But um, yeah, we were like to juniors for the first time, but it was fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. Like we, you know, she was like, "Hey, we should go here." Well, she hadn't been there, and I was like, "Oh shit, we were living we with mom and there. David, so we had like babysitting and cash." That's right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and so we went there, and we're just like immediately captivated because just like it's like it's a, nothing. That's like a time capsule. It's a time capsule. It's incredible. So good. Yeah, and you could. They uh, make the Caesar salad like at your table, dude. Their Caesar is fucking amazing. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. I damn. But like, so the bartender though at the sunken bar has definitely worked there since probably the late eighties. He's probably the one that's worked there forever. Right. Right. He's he's definitely one of the people who's worked there forever. You know, he's got to be in his like fifties, maybe early sixties. And just like, no matter what, like, yep, that's fine. You know, he's still got like a vest and a bow tie on. Yep. 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 And the, the sunken bar. He lights your cigarette so fucking fast. Dude. Yeah. It's like, he's not even thinking about it. Yeah. It's like a, a, it's, it's amazing. It's just a reflex arc for him. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but yeah, it's like, so like you walk into the room and you notice, like, wait a second, that bartender is a, a normal height adult, but he only his head only comes up to like a <laughs> foot or two waist. off the ground, <laughs> and that's because the bar is like sunken into the ground, sunk into the ground. Down. Yeah. No, you sit at the bar like you're sitting at a table. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Oh, you sit and at then, the bar like you're sitting at a table, and the bar behind the bar yeah. is low. It's like, is low. Yeah. So it's oh. like you chest level for the bartender. to get behind the bar. Oh, okay, I and see. so you're not sitting on bar stools; you're just sitting on chairs. Oh. Yeah, and we yeah we were sitting there one time. Uh, you know, I was drinking like one of the few like truly amazing whiskey sours you can find because to get a really great whiskey sour you ask a guy who's been tending bar since the 70s I would, I would never uh, order a, a gin gimlet yes, anywhere yes. but there right no it's like because, you fucking know what you're talking about yeah like buffalo wild wings mm-hmm. for, for, yeah. for real yeah so we were sitting there you know and uh, and waiting to order and he brings out these two like tiny little like tulip glasses that are full of what appears to be it kind of looks like soft serve okay <laughs> but like cream. carries them off yeah and we're like what's, the, what's that what is that it's like it's a brandy whip and like i want one now like, <laughs> there was kind of a pause like would you like one and it's like yeah <laughs> it's like all right made us a couple of brandy whips and um 
Yeah, yeah it's and it's like brandy whipped cream. Whipped cream. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're just gonna eat this. We're not even gonna put it on a pie. Just no, like, yeah, no. Yeah, basically. And there's like something to it that makes it like a little a little more drinky than just whipped cream. Yeah. Okay. There's like a thickening to well, it. It could be brandy. It, it could be just brandy. be brandy. But anyway, juniors, juniors. juniors. Yeah, we're going there now. We're going to juniors. We're going. Fuck yeah. Bam. So full. Those brandy whips were good, but <sighs> Brian, wake up! Yeah, my Brian. hair, my hair. Brian, he, look, he had like four Caesar salads. <laughs> like <laughs> they, he just kept calling for another one. Another He's like put, Caesar salad, put, like putting his fucking flag up at Casamanita. <laughs> yeah, salad. yeah. They use the real anchovies there. I'm not even kidding. Mm. That's why the dressing is so good. Oh man, and I just had like the meat on my plate mm. was huge. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to power through. We're going to power through. Okay, here we go. Okay. Aaron? Aaron? Yes. Yes or no? No. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> Just say no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. At some point in the last several years, um, every time I have, we have friends in Lawrence and I go to visit them uh, fairly often and there's a shop there that has a lot of stationery and pens and delightful things, but they also have little like pins, <laughs> like little enamel pins. And at one point uh, I went there and uh, they had a little heart and in the middle of it, it just said no. It says and, nope. 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 And yeah, I, 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 I grabbed that for Aaron after. I pin it to my cardigan frequently. <laughs> nope. People look at it. I was like, oh, which pin? Nope. <laughs> and that is correct. Because you need to just say no. Oh, my God. Are we talking oh. about just say no? We're talking about just say oh no. Oh, my fucking oh God. My We're going back to cocaine God. in the 80s, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, Nancy Reagan. Uh, Drugs. Hell. Drugs. Drugs can harm you. And we are not recommending <laughs> substance abuse or beginning to take cocaine. Mm-hmm. That is a highly personal decision. I'm not here to <laughs> make it for you. But in America, there are lots of people who do wish to make personal decisions for you. That's maybe America's whole thing. Right. Personal freedom slash no, not you. No, not you. (laughs) Personal freedom to do what I tell you. But when jerks try to tell you what to do, you got to remember to just Just say say no. no. Oh, man. Right. There was this guy. I thought he was my friend, but then it turned out he was just my buddy. (laughs) He just wanted to do drugs with me. It's. I'm sorry. It's I'm a so painful sorry. distinction okay, so to learn about. We're going back to we're like. Go- well, we're going to start Ronald here. Wilson Reagan was born in 1911. <laughs> we're starting right here. The war on drugs was started by Richard Milhouse Nixon yes, in the 1970s to fight the Black Panthers. This war on drugs was not a war on drugs. No, and it was in fact a war on black people. Poverty and the anti-war hippies who were bumming out the poor fellows at Brown and Ruth. Right. Um. Also. Girls are back. Okay. Uh, it was a war on um, Hispanics. Also on Hispanics. Too. Right. Anybody who was other or brown or poor. Right. 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 This war point, on drugs. Point, point, point of order. It was uh, not a war on poverty in the sense that uh, we're, they were trying to get rid of poverty. No. No. Not Correct. In the, not like in the, Lyndon, in Johnson's Lyndon Johnson's war on poverty. Uh, which was to yeah. try and help people. Fuck yeah. that guy. I think. 
No. Jesus wants what? to help people. Huh? Right. I'm sorry. I yeah. thought we were talking about Christians. Oh, yeah. never mind. Yeah. Good Quake- Christian Quakers. Quakers, like- even. Quakers, Quakers. Quakers, like Nixon. Racist. Oh, but Christ. it is true that... Come here, you piece of shit. <laughs> It is also true that there were many soldiers getting hooked on smack over in the Delta. Well, maybe because they shouldn't have been there in the first place. Yeah. Hey, if that's what they need to do in order to carry on saving the world from communism, and so be it. Mm-hmm. Although in June of 1971, the military announced that they were going to urinalysis every returning serviceman in a project titled Operation Golden Flow. Oh, my oh, God. Whoa. Wait a minute. So they urinalysized all the returning soldiers. And okay, so wait, so that they could deny them benefits, I assume. I assume, yes, or maybe put them Whoa. in prison. Perhaps put them in for prison for taking heroin in the jungle in a country where I'm not sure it was illegal. Because hey, no. yeah, probably not. No, I don't think. Probably also, not. I'm being constantly strafed. Right. So no. Well, good. That's a, that's a lot of. That's a lot of tax dollars put to fine upstanding use. American John Ehrlichman said, <clears throat> quote, we knew we couldn't make it illegal to be against the war or against blacks, but by getting the public to associate hippies with marijuana and blacks with heroin mm-hmm. and then criminalizing them heavily, we could disrupt both of those communities. Yep, we could disrupt their leaders, raid their homes, break up their meetings, and vilify them night after night on the evening news. Did we know we were lying about the drugs? Of yes, course we, we did. Did we know That's we were lying? That's a little something called COINTELPRO. Uh-huh. And if you listen to our Black Panther episode, you will find more you about will find this. out exactly. that heroin was used to vilify black people. Marijuana was used to vilify hippies, hippies and Hispanics. And Hispanics. Because it came from Mexico for the hippies. Right. And everywhere else in the world, it's called cannabis. Right. But here it's called marijuana. Or an H. Or an H if you're like right. yeah, to, to if it's Bible. like 1940. Right. <laughs> it's a reefer madness. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Oh Christ. Working from this firm foundation in the 80s, <sighs> Ronald Wilson Reagan, pre-Alzheimer's B-list movie puppet uh, and mm-hmm. president of the United States. Shill for GE and Shill president GE. of the Screen Actors, Actors Guild slash PUAC. Mm-hmm. Hugh Stooley and uh, Best Supporting Actor to a Chimpanzee. Bedtime Hugh Bond House Un-American Activities Committee. Committee. Yes. So the Reagan administration decided to make this a focus, and they spoke, and indeed they spoke in their "Let's Hatefully Destroy America" campaign that, as you can see, is working. It's it's that yeah, was it's, the uh, like. That was the culmination. It started with Nixon, but Ronald Reagan was the culmination of the current. Right, mm-hmm. as yes. we know it, yes, with the sole intention at the time uh-huh. to destroy the New Deal mm-hmm. and the Great, Great society. society, which the New Deal and, is Roosevelt's help the poor, uh-huh. the Great Society is Johnson's help, help the, poor the poor and the Negroes and the Negroes. <laughs> yeah, you so may- we can't do this. We, in the name of Jesus, need to not help the poor and suffering. Right. The, yeah, no, and, yes. literally. That's, yeah, that's yeah. it. No, literally. We, it Jimmy? has come to our attention that we are helping people who need help. This has to stop because some of those people are not white. Well, and how? If we just help poor people, how do I make money? That's a very how good do point. I make money? How do I make money? This. What about the shareholders? Is a exactly. campaign. Well, someone think of the shareholders that set out to destroy. Jimmy Carter, who is one of the few, if maybe only 
people along with his wife Rosalind, Rosalind. in the world that I can say are verifiable good Christians uh-huh. that believe that good Christians who do what Jesus would have wanted. Do what Jesus what would Jesus do? What Jimmy Carter what Jimmy does? Carter yeah. does. Build houses help for poor people. Poor. Help eradicate the guinea worm. Yeah, that age and, like ninety eight. Jesus. Exactly. Right. And so, yes. yes. In 1986, Ronald Reagan signed the Anti-Drug Abuse Act. In this- 1986, Ronald Reagan had not yet er- uttered the word AIDS. <laughs> also true. Right? Uh, but he had referred to uh, the Equal Rights Amendment as, quote, a joke. That's equal wow. rights for women. There yeah. is a whole... Quote, a joke. <laughs> Reagan, Reagan podcast out there that uh-huh. we have not done. Yes. Uh, so it's a lot. This law allowed in $1.7 billion, 1986 dollars to continue fighting the war on drugs and established several new aspects to this war, <laughs> such as trying juveniles in adult court. Uh-huh, oh, good, good. And mandatory Tory minimum sentencing for specific is. drug offenses. Three strikes, you're out. Three rule. strikes, you're out. Indeed, the number of non uh, people incarcerated for nonviolent drug offenses increased from 50,000 in 1980 to 400,000 in 1997. This is nickel bag shit. Nickel bag shit. 30 years to life for first-time offenders. You have a nickel bag of weed for 30 years to life. Meanwhile, right, uh, I, so, so much yeah. cocaine. There's like yeah, cocaine two, all over juniors. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Two yeah. years though. I mean, that, you know, he right. remember to, he, he got two years. This two is whole it. years. Two whole I mean, years, mm-hmm. but 30 to life. If you have a nickel bag of weed, how much cocaine he was unable to do during that two years. I was going to say, what kind of drug offenses got these people locked up? <laughs> Possession of cocaine. But what I hear you say, Excuse this me. is the eighties. It's cocaine. That's right. Those wall street broker types aren't getting mandatory jail time. No, they're not. And you are correct because powdered cocaine would get you a slap on the wrist and maybe five years. It's not addictive. It's not addictive. No, but you know what you can get busted for? Crack. 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 Cocaine. Hey, Albert. Where did crack come from? Well, I will tell you. Oh, okay, cool. I don't quite have the time to go into the Iran-Contra affair, <sighs> Pablo Escobar's hippos. Dude, there's so Talk much. about the CIA in South God. America at the time. Those hippos are blameless. Those hippos are blameless. God bless them. But let me sum it up by saying that the giant cocaine trade in the United States was basically the government's business. The CIA went down into Central and South America and brokered with the government's Pablo Escobar. Pablo Escobar, he of the hippos, murdered a lot of people. What's the movie? Which one? It has uh, dumb fuck Johnny Depp in it. Blow, blow. Yeah, yeah. watch that movie if you want to learn about Pablo Escobar. Mm Mm-hmm. And the cocaine trade. Uh, but yeah. So crack, the super addictive... Oh, excuse me. The, the government had a part of it, and the government had a vested interest in black suppression, and here is the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Crack, a super addictive form of cooked cocaine, was dumped into the black community from the early 80s, basically to create opportunities to arrest and incarcerate these people living in poverty and with other so many other cultural injustices piled on to them that there's no way to escape. Right. Well, clean, real cocaine... Uh-huh. Snorting time uh-huh. is expensive. Is expensive, right? But if you That's cut true. it with baking soda, you can sell a rock for five bucks. You can sell a rock for five bucks. And let me tell you something about these women. Do tell. Are we going to get to these women? Which women? The, the, just say no women. No, the crack addicted mothers. Oh no! Please tell us. Well, oh. they're fucking 
horrific human beings who hate their children. Who hate their That's babies. Right. That's right. Who hate their babies. Crack babies. They want crack babies. How many crack exactly. Babies. All they do is steal from the government uh-huh. with their welfare. With their welfare, smoke drugs, and give birth to crack addicted babies. babies. That's they right. they hate the and state to take just, care of because they just, hate their fucking children. Mm-hmm. Just so they can get more welfare. Just so they can get more welfare, exactly. If any of this seems familiar, it's because you were listening to Republicans talk about human beings during the 80s or 90s or like now. Or I was going to say, or like now. Human <laughs> beings who's... The, oh, we, built a, we built a freeway through your neighbor. Let's see. Your great-grandmother couldn't read. Right. Your great-great-grandmother was a slave. Was a slave. They built a highway through your neighborhood and there's no such no thing funding. as generational wealth. No. And, and cops can just kill you whenever they feel like right. it. Because cops came from the Patter Rollers. Right. Who were like the Dred Scott ran, Act. To run around and round up the escaped slaves. Escaped yeah. slaves. Um, we have waged war on all of the men. Yes. In this yeah. community. We imported all of these people to our country. Right. And they no stole longer them. do what we say and we we're mad about it. We're mad about it. We have waged we war in the beings. 80s. Yeah, yes. In 70s and 80s, we've waged war on all of these men because um, I'm sorry, Martin Luther King was here and like it should be solved by now. So yeah. like, why don't you why know don't what's, you going know what's going, going on? I mean, we already solved racism by not murdering Martin Luther King. Except, oh, oh when we did. Wait a Just a, a second. Uh, but and yeah, so, so that's all. Now we have all of the. Um, we've already arrested and killed all the men. So right. now so we need to, to do something to the women. To do something yeah, to the women. Yeah. Well, I know that white it's Christians. For the children. I know they love babies. And so I know that white Christians adopted all of those crack babies because they care about they babies. They did. Did yeah. they? No. It's because they did? love human beings. No, they but they love babies. They do. Specifically love babies. babies. Oh, man. I'm so surprised. Oh, I'm sorry. Wow. Those, those babies are. Well, they're broken because they were born addicted to cracks. So. Right. Yeah. There you go. Aunt Judy were here. She she took care of some crack babies. And yeah. I'm not saying that those babies were not sad, sad babies, but I'm saying that their mothers were not shit heels that hated them. Yeah. <laughs> Down there. Yeah. Turns out that if you're addicted to drugs. If you live a nightmare life and have no possibility of escaping, then sometimes you want to, like, drink or smoke. Because, well, it's a fucking nightmare. Sometimes prostitution yep. puts food in your mouth. Also right. true. Oh, my God. Okay. okay. So, All this right. Is oh, my God. You yeah. said yours was going to be short, but it's not. Into this nightmare <laughs> of totally unavoidable and totally organic misery, President Reagan's wife, Nancy Reagan, launched the Just Say No campaign. This Just is the no. be best yes, of the 80s. Yes, this is the be best of the I. Slight library, library sidebar. Um, this week I weeded my biographies. Oh boy! I threw away all kind. Like Justin Bieber just released his second album, and we think this boy has a bright future. Yeah, all that shit went in the trash. No, and I was looking through my cat Abdo and Capstone Press, trying to figure out what biographies to replace it with because kids' biographies are tricky because they're so erstwhile. Yeah, but there were. Uh, presidential and first lady biographies. Oh. I have not bought a Trump biography. I will, but I'm waiting for the end of the story, so I will <laughs> not buy it yet. And there was a, it was Melania Trump, first lady and be best advocate. And I'm like, no, you didn't do shit, lady. Is there going to be a picture of you in your I don't care do you coat and then talk about how you're a Slovenian call girl? Because I bet not. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yes, this like, is ma- you the know what, best. You know who will not pose for a photograph with Melania Trump? <laughs> Mr. T, that's who. <laughs> 
way. No shit. Yeah, they would never let her on different strokes. No way. So yes, um, Nancy Reagan. Meanwhile, Nancy Reagan is a monster of her own. She is a monster person. of her own. Read the Kitty Kelly book because that's oh, really good. Oh. That was Mom's favorite book. That was Mom's favorite book. <laughs> I always heard that her um, BJ skills, BJ skills were legendary in Hollywood. Well, she was that a good actress. actress. Well, it's not like she was a good actress. Exactly. Okay, so okay, ugh. so yeah, Nancy Reagan. She encouraged children to reject drugs by simply saying. Just no. say no. Oh, she, yeah. Yeah. In 1980, she went to a school in New York City, a fancy one. It's called the Something Something Day School. So right. Know. So, oh, you know, God. there's a lot of Rich drug... white kids. Mm-hmm. Wow. And she felt the need... She felt impressed by a need to educate youth about drugs and alcohol abuse. These white ass fucking kids. kids. Yes. Oh my god. Yeah. The, like like the drug use percentage among these kids <laughs> cannot have been below like eighty percent. In here, something about how it was focused on middle and upper class white kids. Well, yeah. You yeah. Know, you can't call it a day school without feeling the need to make it clear that it's not a boarding school. A boarding school. school, right. Correct, because you know who else goes to school during the day? The rest of us. Like rest literally of us. everyone uh-huh. who's at school. It's not like John Marshall Day School. Right, it's like it's John Marshall High School. Get your ass up on the bus. Right. <laughs> Fuck. So, yes, in ni- she said in 1981 that her best role would be to bring awareness of the dangers of drug abuse. Quote, understanding what drugs can do to your children, understanding peer pressure, understanding why they turn to drugs. It's the first step in solving the problem. So, Claire, Trevor, can you please talk to little <laughs> Trevor Jr., excuse me, Trevor the Fourth, about why it's important to not, I don't know, snort cocaine at Exeter? But Whatever. Which is going to happen because those okay. drugs don't count. Right. I don't know if you're. I don't want to step. Go ahead. I don't want to step on your stuff. Go and, for it. And I don't want to get ahead of anything. But for those of you not in the know, yeah. either not of the generation or not in the United States, we grew up. I think Brian and I's generation a little more than yes, Amanda's. I think so. Because we were in yeah. elementary school. I was in already in high school. Like middle school and elementary school. And you were in like middle school and high, high school. school. Yeah, we'd already said yes or no. We yeah, were trained <laughs> to understand that people would be offering us. Hard drugs constantly. 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 Are you outside? A man will approach you and open his coat and we're like, and he will like- either offer oh, you right, drugs yes. or fucking kidnap you. Right. The, and the be- first one is free because drug dealers love giving drugs away for well, free. Well, he knows you'll come back. He knows you'll come back. That's and also, right. most importantly, that first hit. It's never going to get better. It's never going to get better. No. Exactly. You'll be chasing that high. Chasing the dragon. Right, chasing the dragon. So the Just Say No slogan was the creation of Richard Cox and David Cantor, ac- advertising executives in the New York office of Needham, Harper, and Steers. Mm-hmm. It was claimed that uh, Nancy Reagan heard the phrase Just Say No when she went to an elementary school in Oakland, California. <laughs> and a schoolgirl asked her, what, oh, nice. what should I do if dr- my peers offer me drugs and that's she said not true just say no yeah. no none of this is that wow. never happened she might have gone to that school but she didn't i doubt it i yeah. mean a lot of schools in oakland like aren't white that's true yeah yeah that's true yeah a lot of schools in oakland aren't white but surely there's one or two. Oh, yeah right maybe a day that's school right. <laughs> i think i think she probably flew over it <laughs> so after that the just say no clubs and organizations and school-run anti-drug programs became common and school kids were making pacts not to use drugs. This is oh, like Darren. Oh, I'm getting to Darren in just a minute. 
Oh, boy. Nancy Reagan traveled the country to endorse the campaign. She appeared on television news programs, talk shows, public service announcements. By the autumn of 85, she'd been on 23 talk shows. She had co-hosted an October 1983 episode of Good Morning America. Oh, God. And starred in a two-hour PBS documentary on drug abuse, which I looked for forever. And Fuck, oh, PBS, I was so irritated. I feel compelled... Yes. I am compelled. Go be compelled to talk about what a, just like a gross figure Nancy Reagan was. Yes, please do. <laughs> she's just like freakishly skinny mm-hmm. because she's a woman who has been raised since birth to just like eat cottage cheese and smoke cigarettes, and black coffee and cigarettes, and black uh-huh. coffee and cigarettes. She has a big head. She has big fake hair. You look at pictures of her when Reagan was in office. Uh-huh. She is sixty three years old, uh-huh. which is ten years older than you. Uh-huh. She looks. I don't imagine I'll look like that in 10 years. She looks years. 30 years older she than you. She just yes. looks like a freaky mummy lady uh-huh. wearing these red boxy suits. Red boxy suits. And we were all just supposed to be like, what a glamour gal. She's I don't a movie know. She star. was like America's grandma lady, or something. But, not, but yeah, she would have been like mortified to be referred to as a grandmother. Mm. She was not grandmotherly in any way. No, but no. she was, it was just, because like she just looked like a, like an, Old lady, like an old lady who's standing there next to Ronald. Who's right? standing there, like yes. next to fucking Mr. T and Michael Jackson uh-huh. and fucking Webster and mm-hmm. shit like that, um, sitting on Mr. T's lap. Check the instance. We'll have this picture. Unworthy of Mr. T's lap. And she's telling us to just say no. And like, even I, as a child, I was like, "Bitch, you don't know what you you're don't fucking have any talking idea about. What's going on? You have no idea what's going. on. I don't really know what's going on, but I know. But I know you don't know what's going <laughs> no on. Kidding. She visited drug rehabilitation centers. I wonder how re- well received she was. Oh. I know. Meanwhile, compare this to what Princess Diana was doing. Uh-huh. <laughs> Mentioning people with AIDS. Like, <laughs> touching them. T- talking them and shaking their hands. Uh, she threw out the first pitch at a World Series. Oh, God. It was like, I'm sure that there is it a was- Simpsons thing where Mr. Burns is <laughs> thrown out of first yeah, Yes, there is. And <laughs> it goes like one foot. <laughs> I was going to say... Like Mr. Burns' bunt from Kinder Ruby Jr. <laughs> she she throws a pitch, uh, and it is the sort of pitch that a 98-pound old lady would throw, but it is better than the one that George Bush threw. Bless his heart. <laughs> and he was, I think, an actual baseball player. And, he, but... uh, and the actual president at Wait, the time. Wait, you mean W or... No, no oh. NW. Oh, there was buddy. a full front-page picture on the Oklahoman, and it looked like if we had, I don't know, yeah. nine-year-old Henry throw the first pitch. At- <laughs> <laughs> like I'd throw the yeah. first... No, I think I, I'd do better. I think I would. I have to go with nine-year-old Henry. It really is. It's just like this yeah, is the no. crazy arm going on. She rambled on about how it's wonderful because all these children will grow up with better lives because they'll never have to go through withdrawal pains. All of these oh, white middle-class uh-huh. children. Right. Meanwhile, crack, dying. Right. Dying of crack. No. Central Park Five. Fuck them. That, that was mentioned. I did not. I cut that part out. I didn't. There's so many things I could have done. This could be like seven hours. Right. But I focused. No, like For Reagan. Real. Reagan could. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can like you can't you can you cannot mention the 80s even in passing without at least like three sidebars into how fucking horrible the fucking Reagans were. Yes. I think it's interesting. Like if we had a podcast called Reagan Reagan and like every episode was like coming from like a completely different right. direction. Yeah. Like, oh, this week I'm going to talk about how shitty he was about AIDS. <laughs> Right. This week I'm going to talk about how, I don't know, ballet (laughs) and how it turned back into Reagan and it was shit. Somehow. It would last forever. (laughs) 
and we would all die of like rage strokes long uh, yes, before yeah, we, we can't do, do that. It's like the Trump people are a cult, but we can't go over that because I don't want to talk about. No, that. I can't do that. No. So anyway, in 1985, Nancy and Reagan expanded the campaign internationally. Well, they just won re-election. Yeah, and they the first and you can do anything anything you you fucking want after you've won re-election. Uh, she invited the first ladies of 30 nations to the White House uh, for a first lady conference on drug abuse. Hmm. She enlisted the help of the Girl Scouts. Who was I, one of them Margaret Truman? Um, Margaret no, Thatcher, Mar- Maggie. No, who am I thinking about? Margaret Trudeau. 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 Yes, no, she was pantyless on the dance floor at Studio 54. <laughs> right. <laughs> she enlisted the Kiwanis Club to promote them, and the Kiwanis put up over 2,000 billboards with her picture on it and the slogan, Just <laughs> Say No. <laughs> 5,000 Just Say No clubs were founded in schools and youth organizations, and a few exist to this day. Not oh. No. When asked about her efforts in the campaign, Nancy Reagan said, if you could save just one child, it's worth it. And the fact no, 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 not that one. No, not, not that one. Not that one. I said, no. the fact that the campaign was focused almost entirely in white middle-class schools and communities is not addressed at all, especially not right. when they look at how successful they were. Right. right yeah. All these kids are right. not doing drugs. You kept my child from doing drugs. Guess P- what she was not going to do? <laughs> right. P.S. P- um, if you can save a ch- just one child by uh, making sure that child has food, that is not worth it. Right. That or child. access to like decent housing, clean water, Does, and a good education. Right. No, or no, again, no, no, no. literally food. Can no. I drop a bomb on their house? <laughs> right, right. There's definitely the, uh, They do this to themselves. Yeah, they did. Surveys suggest that the campaign may have led to a spike in public concern over the drug problem. In 1985, the proportion of Americans who saw drug abuse as a problem was between 2 and 6%. In 1989, that number was 64%. But well, they're raising wow. awareness. Yeah. Raising awareness. They're raising fear. I mean awareness. That's right. In 1983, the chief of the Los Angeles Police Department, Daryl Gates... Gates of Rodney King. Of Rodney King fame. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. You know, I think it's reductive to just, like, you know, narrow down Daryl Gates to, like, just being an awful racist during Rodney King. Well, he also started when the D.A.R.E. Was, program. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yes, oh, yeah. Yes, oh, yeah. Did. This program, which still exists today, pairs students with local police officers in an effort to reduce drug abuse, gang membership, and violence. It's called Copaganda, Copaganda. ladies and gentlemen, and it gets a, an untold number of millions it of dollars. That public, so you know what would help money? kids? A good education. <laughs> Do you know what we don't have? The millions of dollars they give to no, the police force. We have cops coming in. Uh-huh. I'm tempted to, hey, lifestylers, if I post my, help my library book list would you buy me some books because i ain't getting money from the government okay anyway yeah. oh, God, oh, is... listen it's okay because the cops also have tanks and they have like right. fully automatic rifles. weapons fully and automatic we started weapons. off our school year now we have to have all of our doors locked at all times and you oh. can't have a kid go and open the door the teacher has to actually stop teaching and go over and open oh, the so door so you'll get killed oh. first. So i'll get killed first it's my job to get killed first well of course yeah well yeah, that's why they they pay you a fair wage that's right that's why oh, i make the big oh, bucks oh, oh wait oh and i also have been told repeatedly that uh, it's it's awful but there's nothing else we can do there's nothing. no other way to no i was like no there's Just no way no to like way? reduce guns and have more mental health care you guys no absolutely Anyway, okay, so Daryl Gates. 
DARE has been implemented in about 75% of U.S. school districts, and despite the program's popularity, many studies have shown that participating in DARE has little to no impact on future drug use. Uh, interesting. Not- interesting. Okay, I don't want to step on your okay. stuff, but I have stuff to say. As I want to hear it I'll, at the end of this paragraph. Yes, yes, I yes, want. Yes. Okay. I can tell you as a professional educator and former student council sponsor who had to put down my bong long enough to preside over Red Ribbon Week at school that this is the most ridiculous and ineffective BS that has ever placed before kids. Mm -hmm. The biggest stoners in school used to come to my room and ask me for more just say no stick on tattoos. Right. Because they thought they were so funny. Yes, Mm -hmm. Brian? There was a long portion of that sentence where I thought you were still quoting Daryl Gates. (laughs) Yeah. Daryl Gates is like, God damn it, motherfuckers. I was seriously like, well, maybe he's not that bad. No, No, he's that bad. No, he's not. You can still smoke bongs and be bad. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, if if people were smoking bongs in Daryl Gates' classroom, then like, uh, you know. When our friend Tina, who has a degree in social work, had to put down her bong long enough to do some (laughs) anti-drug awareness at the juvenile facility, she read out all the facts and stats about how, like, now the marijuana... They smoked in the 60s jank, and now the stuff is powerful and could do you harm. It's worse. And at the end, when they asked kids to discuss what they learned, all the kids told her that the weed today is way better than it was in the 60s. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's it's what, true. That that's is what, what you learned. Dare introduced me to the concept of drugs. Yes. Yeah. The concept of all kinds of drugs. Right. The concept of, like, glue and inhalants. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now, yeah, well, yeah. It also said that um, Dare... Is about drugs, but doesn't say anything about alcohol or tobacco. No, no, right. No. It's well, like you know, well. it's like people are offering offering you benzos, you right? Know? Well, you know what is or hash. You know what pays taxes? Alcohol and tobacco. That's uh, right. Who doesn't pay taxes? Your weed dealer. Mm-hmm. So hmm. I would, yeah, I um. I'm sorry for this depressing sidebar. I, I lost a dear friend this week who was uh, the first professor in college that I was like really, that. really like learned from and realized learning was fun. But yeah. he once described uh, <laughs> he once described marijuana is uh, you know it it does not uh, it does not have an effect on brain cells. He was in the sciences. He was uh, he was teaching a, psych- a psychology course, but uh, it was like alcohol though. Alcohol is just like a lawnmower, just going just, over your brain, just, just ch- really chopping good. down the little brain cells left and right. Actual poison. One of, yeah, yeah, one of yeah, the things that I true. did learn in D- in Dare is like every drink you have, it kills billions of brain cells, and you're <laughs> never going to get them back. back. Right. Yeah, they never actually uh, mentioned that in weed because uh, I guess a, they couldn't even lie about that. You you can drink yourself to death. Yeah. You can right? drink yourself to death in a <laughs> night. Yes. If you're you really committed. If you're really committed, can. you can drink enough alcohol tonight to die. Or Not. just super fucking fuck yourself <laughs> up forever. You cannot smoke that much you weed. You cannot weed yourself to death. <laughs> it's just not true. It's just not a thing. You just eat unless you eat your own body because you're so hungry. Nancy Reagan's raised related efforts increased public awareness of drug abuse, but extant research has not established any relationship between the Just Say No campaign and actual reduction of drug abuse. How about that? The use and abuse of illegal drugs significantly declined during Reagan's presidency, but this may be what they call a spurious correlation mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> because uh, it it's like the dare program and just say no didn't have an effect it just happened <laughs> was um right psh, malcolm gladwell probably yeah. in his book the medium is uh, one know, of his maybe. books <laughs> uh, he talks he 
postulates and quotes other studies that say that the giant drop in murders uh-huh. and crime in the 80s was comes from Roe v. Wade. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Those people were aborted. That, yeah. That, well, that has, um... women were able to get abortions. Yeah. Therefore, I don't have seven kids. I don't actually can take I care of. I have right. not fathered seven kids. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. yeah. But anyway, so it's I thing. can have a job now. I, yeah. I am not tied down by this. Yes. Uh huh. So, yeah, but anyway, yeah. They, drug use did go down in the eighties, but they don't think it had anything to do with any of these. No. The drug the campaign drew criticism. Critics labeled Nancy Reagan's approach as reductive, saying mm-hmm. that to tackle drug abuse needs a lot more than just. Just say no. Yeah, no shit. Two studies suggested that enrollees in D.A.R.E.-like programs were actually more likely to use alcohol and cigarettes because D.A.R.E. didn't say anything about that. Oh, yeah, I really didn't. I remember Uh that. And uh, journalist Michael McGrath suggested that fears from the just say no exacerbated mass incarceration and prevented youth from receiving accurate information on how to deal with drug abuse. To how to like take drugs responsibly. You can have a drinks and smoke weed and not well, also a sort of treat drug addiction as an illness yes, rather right. than a moral moral failing. failing. Yeah. Which yeah. Ronald Ronald Reagan was all about moral failings. failings. It said yeah. critics also think that just say no contributed to the seasoned stigma about people who use drugs being bad and that they're addicted to drugs because they are making a cognizant immoral choice because they to are take them. bad people Absolutely who do bad right. things. Who do bad th- that's why they're poor. That's why they're poor. Yeah. We live in the greatest country in, in the world ever existed. Ever God God's right. nation on this earth. Put this that's nation on this earth, a shining city on the hill. Have to worry about going bankrupt if you get Oh, and okay. if you can't make it in America, what it's is your, your fucking fault? Why are you so, what's wrong with we you? We were brought here as slaves. But I know the per- most pertinent question is what kind of impact did this mass message have on pop culture? And let me tell you right now, it was fantastic. First stop on this tour de excellence. Different strokes. Yeah. The hilarious 80s comedy that asked the question, wouldn't it be hilarious if you took some poor black kids and let them live with rich white people? One of whom had like a congenitive kidney problem and it was like cute because he he was was small. small, But that was actually like a problem. Like a birth defect. Like Gary Coleman and Emmanuel Lewis had serious problems. But they were cute little black kids that white people could play with. Like like dolls. They weren't. And like they were wise beyond their years. Yes. Because you guys, it was really bad. It's because there were 30. Yeah. So I could not find the episode in its entirety, but I was able to watch big chunks. Right. And yeah. I saw the cameo. Mr. Drummond brings Nancy Reagan, who looks like a bookmark with a giant head and a red and black power suit. <laughs> Awful. Gary Coleman asks, is this the first lady? Should we bow? And she says, no, a handshake will do, and juts her arm towards him with a ghoulish grin on her face. Remember how she started off as an actress, but not a good one? You will remember if you watch (laughs) (laughs) This is also how we were expected to see the president and the first lady. Should we bow? No. Yes. Of course. It's like yeah, the yeah. king and queen, queen of America, America who were here to save us. Right. Meanwhile, Conrad Bain and Mrs. Garrett are acting circles around you. <laughs> oh, Mrs. Garrett had left by this time. I hope Mrs. Garrett was like, I refuse to oh, appear. Yeah. They were on to the you second. Know, she was right. She was on the facts of life. Yeah, by this then. was the second housekeeper, Pearl. 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 
De- uh, Mr. Drummond offers her tea or coffee, and Gary says, or jelly beans? Because of the Reagan jelly bean bullshit. Oh, yeah. And it turns out that Nancy Reagan is like friends with their housekeeper. What? Like, Excuse me? Pearl. And Pearl's like, Nancy. That's not true. That never happened. For some, like, no. I don't know, relatability fun. Oh. This show is ridiculous anyway. Do you, like, you could say Nancy Reagan knocked on the door. You didn't have to have, like, he, right. a connection in the house. No. It's, and that wasn't even the connection. It was like, she just showed up. We're, I'm going door to door to make you aware right. of Right. And this, like, astonishingly posh. Uh, uh, yeah, Upper right. West Side Penthouse, which actually completely tracks, it sounds like, it, it with sure what does, uh, Nancy sure. Reagan sure was does. doing at the time. Oh, you have black children in your house. Uh, well, You're on a list. <laughs> <laughs> she turns out she knows the housekeeper, but Nancy says, no, I'm not here to see you. I'm here to see Arnold, which makes him say, what you talking about, Mr. Reagan? Oh, uh-huh. Jesus. I'm only here to wild. see Gary Coleman's. Yeah. Fuck you, Willis. Apparently, he had written some newspaper article about drugs being sold at his school. I'm sure. That was then published in the Times, and she happened to read it, and he came to, had to come, and Nancy had to come and talk to him. She asks if she could come to speak to his school, and his a remarkably well-balanced and diverse class. Uh-huh. She asks the kids, how many of you have heard of the drug problem in our nation? Hands go up. How many of you are aware that the government is manufacturing this problem by dumping crack into black communities to justify mass arrest? Oh, wait. No, oh, no. She no. doesn't say that. Oh, no, she, she doesn't, doesn't say that at all. Huh. No, 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 no. She says, what do you think of drugs? To which a black student replies, I think drugs are disgusting. I would never take them. My name is Lisa, and I'm a Republican. Honest to God, the oh, child says this. What? Wow. Nancy manages to grind out. I think Democrats are against, I think Democrats are against drugs, too. <laughs> she asks, has anyone ever tried to sell you drugs? No hands go up, but she tells them to tell the truth because this could affect their whole lives. Three white kids raise their hand, but no one will admit, even though we learn and we have learned that drug use starts when you're in elementary school. Right. This is yes. literally, I am a professional and this is like literally like a third grade class. Mm-hmm. One boy <laughs> says, aren't some drugs okay? I w- heard that pot won't hurt you. <laughs> Nancy advances on him and stares him down and says... Let me tell you a story mm-hmm. about a boy I'll call Charlie. Oh, narf, narf. dude! First of all, television in the eighties was terrible. terrible. <laughs> it was so bad. <clears throat> he Charlie. was fourteen, burned out on pot <laughs> in, a, in a permanent stupor, a permanent haze. And one day, when his little sister wouldn't go steal him money to get more pot, he brutally beat her. <laughs> Citation needed. Oh my god. <laughs> Well, there's no such thing as soft drugs or hard drugs. All drugs are quote unquote dumb. Uh, and yeah. then the boy who asked about pot admits that he's tried it a few times and Nancy hugs him and tells him that he's brave and as brave as Arnold is for writing his story. Arnold then quips that this today's a big win for the little Gipper. Oh, boy. And the other kids in his class admit to having experimented and then they all stampede forward to hug her, which thankfully Arnold stops before they snap her off. Dude, seriously, base. she yeah. reacts like a viper. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Spits gas out of her face. Uh-huh. Worried <laughs> that her twiglet bones will shatter, shatter under the weight of these underprivileged children. Her little bat wings snap out and she flaps off. <laughs> Nancy did not appear on Punky Brewster, but her magical message did. Oh, God. Resulting in the season two episode entitled Just Say No. Punky uh, and Sherry are playing in the backyard when a girls' club called the Chicklets show up. Punk rockers who love drugs. They love Punky's right. fashion sense. And they explain to her how being part of the club is like 
everything. Punky invites them to her treehouse, and they ask them if they'd like to be part of the chicklets. The chicklets want to make them uh, part of their gang so they can use the treehouse. They're not really The chicklets should have, oh like, God. run the fuck off when uh-huh. she's like, do you want to come to my treehouse? Like, Punky and Sherry say say that what they need to say to get into the club, oh and the chicklets celebrate this by wanting to do drugs. Punky and Sherry say maybe another time. Uh, uh, and Punky goes back into the house and asks her adoptive dad what to do. He literally hands her a booklet for the Just Say No Club and says, you should start one of these. So Punky reads the, the uh, leaflet to the chicklets and they uh, learn the error of their ways. Dude, people oh. are just trying to watch television, okay? <laughs> oh, my God. It's like, if you want to watch, if you want to learn something, there are after school specials, but we got to have a very special <laughs> episode about everything. She then, um, uh, Soleil Moon Fry, mm-hmm. who played Punky Brewster, yeah. was shown participating in a Just Say No march in Atlanta. These Punky Brewster marches were a real thing. And like they would go to, she and the girl who played Sherry oh, would go to, ta- to cities and lead little like. Oh, wow. Oh, Tartak- Tartikoff was way up the Reagan's asses. Oh, Tartikoff yes. was up there. Excitingly, the craze caught it on across the pond. Yes. <laughs> on 1986, the cast of Teen Soap Grange Hill. Yes. <laughs> not to be confused with Biker Grove, which gave us Ant and Deck. <laughs> oh, this is Grange yes. Hill, which was a little earlier. Bringing with us the dirty realism of England. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Along with the public service messages. 1986. Like, so your parents just work at a bar. Okay. Right. No, they do they wait i live above the bar <laughs> right i am but like also we make enough money to live oh, they do and, hey well you know how they have public transportation and free health care so oh, hi. Oh, interesting. interesting in uh In 1986, they released Grange Hill, the album, which included the single Just Say No to tie in with the character's heroin addiction. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's Britain. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, yeah. Was it an elementary school kid? Maybe. Uh, uh, Sixth form? No, 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 no. Let's let's say yes. They don't have middle school, but it was middle school age. Um, there's a video and it is stunning. It is so 1986 Britain. I expected Margaret Thatcher to steal margin and take all their milk. <sighs> the Margaret hair so big, <laughs> the boys so mullets. <laughs> One of the very few <laughs> actually looking a little starved and hollow eyed. Uh huh. The girls are all wearing uh, tights, super high cut leotards. Oh, and yeah. like crop tops and are doing a dance. Because it's aerobics. Uh, yes. Yeah. Some of the girls are. Um, one of the few black people in the cast is forced to rap. And you really think oh, about how no. rapping is a skill and right. not just something that comes with being black. No. I know, yeah. Wow. No. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Rap came from black it, people it, in New York. Right. So it's just true. It's not like throughout the world. No. <laughs> there's other things, but that's where rap came from anyway. Uh, have faith in yourself. Your dreams will come true. Just say no. They even come up with a super wanky looking. It's like, just say no. Oh, kind of like a, like a hand drive kind of thing. <laughs> oh, God, you guys. And if you look up Grange Hill, just say no on YouTube. You can watch the video and fucking feast your eyes <laughs> on teen programming where nobody got a professional haircut or even braces. No. no it's, it looks like they're wearing their own clothes. Probably. It's yeah. Amazing. It's like, come to set Dude, and wear a nice outfit. That is God, that's like one of the best things of our British television. <laughs> it really is. is. So yeah, this song is good, but it's not the best. Because oh. you, then you need to feast your eyes on the seminal musical event of the 80s. The one you remember that ended all the drug problems and healed the world. And I'm referring, of course, to Stop the Madness. <laughs> 
right. in a post-Geldof world, the solution to any problem is to get a bunch of celebs and put out a charity single. Yes. And this opportunity oh. was not missed by Mrs. Reagan. This oh. song was written by Tim Reed, a.k.a. Venus Flytrap from WKRP. Uh, Excuse me? Which was one of the best shows ever on TV. That's true. That's true. And he wrote that song. And the video features a celebrity cast that brings tears to your eyes. Oh. No, really. Have you ever heard Stacey Keach sing? Because I have. Oh, Stacey no. Keach. Stacey Keach was like hooked on drugs forever. Oh. Possibly wow. while this video was being made. Yeah. I think I knew that like. I didn't know much about Stacey Cage, but I was like under the influence that he was like. He had a cleft palate. <laughs> well, he I, had a mustache for his cleft palate, but he was also just like bad news. I, well, it, had not serious crack. problems. So, correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was just booze, so it was fine. Right. Other singers include New Edition. <gasps> oh. Whitney Houston, who is so painfully young, she still has baby fat on her oh, face. Oh, Whitney. And her solo line is, drugs cause pain, and that made me cry. Oh, Whitney. Latoya Jackson, because we couldn't get a better one. Uh, but, oh, yeah, no. <laughs> Marlon, Jackie, Jermaine, <laughs> I know, and Tito. Jermaine, right? maybe. Busy. They would busy. Not yeah. even Jermaine. They were busy. Uh, Herb Alpert. Yes. <laughs> Tony Basil. Andre and Sandra Crouch. <laughs> With special guest appearances by Lyle Alzado, oh, football player no. Lyle Alzado, who died of like like super duper drug abuse uh, steroids specifically. Oh, oh not oh, long oh. after this. Bad. Oh, bad. Kim Tootie Fields, bless Tootie. David Hasselhoff, oh, the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, yes. darling. Casey what Kareem? <laughs> uh, Casey Kasem, Arnold Schwarzenegger. The Goodyear Blimp and Michael Carver, a.k.a. Um, Boogaloo Shrimp. Uh, <laughs> I just assume the Goodyear um, Blimp is like swaying on the back row. <laughs> in the studio. Like, no, the, it's the, flying. It's like, stop the madness. The only thing the- you can see is the, like, part of the entirely gray side of the Goodyear Blimp. Not even the part that says Goodyear because it's pressed up against the window. <laughs> And meanwhile, everyone in the studio is suffocated because they can't breathe because the Goodyear <laughs> blimp has asphyxiated them. Oh, oh, sorry. God. Nancy is in the video, too, and IMDb credits this as her final <laughs> film. No. Uh, <laughs> and what a film it is. There are wow. junkies in a hot tub. There's um, a skull-shaped puff of smoke rising from a syringe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> There is a supercut of drug images. Dark alley, razor chopping white powder, fake morgue, sudden super disturbing actual bit of film from some surgery. No. There's a girl lying on her bed and a Baywatch poster on her closet door. She is unfazed when the Hoff says, stop the madness to her. She goes over and opens the closet door to reveal... A guy who looks like Dusty Hill from ZZ Top who offers her like an usherette style tray of drugs. And here are some lyrics. Oh my god. And then we're gonna and we're gonna close with the lyrics to stop okay. the madness. Okay. I do have some things to say. I, I wanna yes. hear them, but mm-hmm. we're gonna hear them. I believe that together you and I can save a life today. We can stop a killer from reaching into minds and throwing lives away. Drugs are causing pain and everyone's a loser in this deadly game. That's Whitney's line. It's insanity. We know that dope is slavery. And you know we've got to be free. Stop the madness. Tell me what you're doing to get some pleasure from an empty high. Only fools will tell you using drugs is a victimless crime. 
There are casualties standing at the graves of children. Feel the tears they cry. Dude, this is this is smooth. Take this a smooth. stand today. Brother, we heard you cry for some assistance. Drugs are making your mind a man-made hell. You thought using dope would be free, would be a party, but now you're a prisoner in a cell crying to be free. Stop the madness. Stop the madness now. So I'm going to stop this madness now and say that this has been a history of just say no. Fuck. Don't tell me. Those lyrics are terrible. <laughs> Tim Reed They're is not good. After, however. Second of all, dare and just say no. There was never any attention or application of actually stopping these things. No. No. I came by your room and mentioned that you shouldn't take drugs. That'll do We're you. done. Yeah. And it kind of carryovers to this day about, like, we're raising awareness. We're raising uh-huh. awareness. It's yeah. like, but what are you doing to stop these what things? We're raising, raising awareness. awareness of breast right. cancer. That's right. uh-huh. I'm aware of breast cancer. Thanks. So Thanks. dare Thanks. and just Thanks. say no are like, what we have to do is just, like, tell kids to not do drugs. Never mind. Oh. Uh, we're telling this to the wrong kids. kids. We're not exploring why poverty systematic racism it's this is it's why like, do people take drugs yes straight up guess what it's racism guess what it's poverty it's poverty it's my life is insufferable and it's i have the to fact do that something. the government has dumped crack so that they can arrest us right yes oh my god it's just yeah it's this is a band-aid that i've handed to white children that ignores the fact that my husband and his cronies mostly them because i don't give reagan any credit for doing nope. anything no nope. nope. um it was an empty vessel. Right. He was an empty vessel, like quite literally mm-hmm. brain being eaten. Right. Um, yeah. It's like, we're going to throw this bandaid at you while not just by like creating and exacerbating the actual problem. Right. And so whenever we do our, I don't know, fucking performance evaluation, right. we can say like, well, so, we have come up with this. Look what I did. You can campaign on that shit. You look what my Look at these numbers. Look at this dashboard. And you can get cops to come to your school and say, just say no. Mm -hmm. And and like really talk about how the cops are your friends, which is really cool because they're only coming to white schools. Uh Yeah. So like in in that case, uh, you know, they're kind of telling the truth. Yeah. Uh That's right. Well, yeah, yeah. those you, cops will not murder you. Brock the rapist. Most of Come your to the friends. Cops and tell them that if you get put in jail for a rape, it'll ruin your whole future. Mm-hmm. That's right, and yeah. They'll do it. And they will. And it is racism. It is racism. That's yeah. American history. Oh. 101. But I'm not allowed to teach this at school. Hey. Yeah, no, we've been told that we're not allowed to read books about history or historical things because it would upset the children. In Oklahoma. There you go. Not the only state, though. No. Lots of other states like it. I want to leave now. People are like, well, you should move to Canada. I'm like, you are. I, I have tried to move to a foreign country, and it's not as easy as Dude, y'all are saying. Hard, okay? okay? You have to have a reason to go to another country. <laughs> um, I've got a few. Yeah, no. No, like, no. <laughs> better reasons. Better reasons. Tell me why I should give you a job that I should could, in fact, give to a citizen. Correct. That's They're correct. like, yeah. Yeah, no. Ugh. But, you know, different strokes. <laughs> Nothing is ever going to get better, and this is awful. And, um, yeah, and then, like, Two of the three children on different strokes died of drugs. Only yeah. one. Willis is still alive. Oh. Gary Coleman eventually died from his, his like kidney yeah, disease. Yeah. Kidney <laughs> disease. Um, Dana Plato died in Moore, Oklahoma, Oklahoma on 
at the same time, day after day before the Oklahoma City bombing. Oh, that's right. That's right. Dana Plato like, died in a, of an overdose in a trailer park in, in Moore, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. And uh, it's yeah. an extremely very sad, sad story. story of a girl who was exploited. Uh-huh. I wonder how much sexual abuse she went through as a, a lot. child. Yeah. A lot. And, uh, and she should have just said no. She should I know. Imagine all the trouble she would have saved herself. herself. It's that done. easy. If she just said no, because then like people wouldn't have See, Nancy her. never got ado- addicted to drugs because she just said no. And it's just that easy, guys. I need a brandy whip and a blank check for a billion dollars, okay? Okay. Just think of juniors. Just think of juniors. Just say juniors. Just say juniors. Juniors. Just say, whoa, vote for juniors. Ready? Okay. Madness Madness is hosted by Aaron Byrne and Amanda Clay with occasional outbursts from Brian Byrne, who is me. Brian Byrne records and edits the show. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please, if you enjoy the show, uh, rate us and leave a review. Leaving reviews helps people find the show. And the more people listen to the show, the more people you'll have to talk about the show with. I mean, just mull that over. You can also listen to us online at madnessmadnesspodcast.com. You can find links to our social media on madnessmadnesspodcast.com. You can email us your thoughts about stuff at madnessmadnesspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>